then it's six uh, o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, time to go. So good morning, afternoon, evening to everyone tuning in and welcome to the Bitcoin Cash Hangout. It's only been two weeks since the last show. And yeah, it's really true what they say about a day in crypto, right? Uh, so much has happened in those two weeks. Uh, I genuinely ran out of uh, paper to keep the notes on. Um, just an insane time. Crypto prices have plummeted. OG Crypto Hedge Funds uh, Three Arrows has filed for bankruptcy, um, which has, as we've all felt, sent quite a few ripples across the entire space. Lending companies such as Celsius and Voyager have stopped withdrawals. BlockFi needed a bailout from FTX. And even the FTX CEO warned uh, that many third-party exchanges have yet to reveal their insolvency. Um, so maybe some more storms to come. Bitcoin Cash community knows the phrase well. Not your keys, not your coins. Nevertheless, the community has not come out of the crypto bloodbath totally unscathed. Coinflex, a well-known and champion BCH-friendly exchange, froze all withdrawals on the 23rd of June and has yet to resume normal service. This has had an impact on smart BCH, as many in the community are aware, as Coinflex was being used as a bridge between the BCH main chain and the sidechain smart BCH, which was designed to be a short-term solution until a decentralized bridge could be developed. This is a huge topic. It affects many in the community. And I'd just like to take the time right now uh, to say I really hope that everyone involved in this gets their funds their tokens, their coins back as soon as possible. Coinflex CEO Mark Lamb has made several media statements regarding their issues, that the illiquidity forcing Coinflex to stop withdrawals was caused by just one single client. And Mark Lamb named that person on Twitter as Roger Veer. Which leads me to introduce the guests of the show tonight with an exclusive statement from Roger in respect to the allegations made by Mark Lamb and Coinflex. Before that, though, we have Rolando Bryson, UPP leader and member of parliament from St. Martin, to talk about Bitcoin Cash as legal tender and the steps that are currently being made to realize that dream. We have John Neary, president of General Protocols, to talk about the future network upgrades, cash tokens, what that will enable, such as Jason Dreisner's decentralized exchange, JDEX. We also have Sunny Gahani to talk briefly about the huge merchant adoption happening in, in, in Atiga over the past two weeks. And I want to use this moment to do a big shout out to our sponsor, the Bitcoin Cash Podcast. If you can't get enough BCH discussion, join Jeremy, Jet, and community guests on Twitter at the BCH podcast or visit www.bitcoincashpodcast.com. All proceeds of the sponsorship has gone into hosting these spaces at rss.com forward slash podcasts forward slash fiendish crypto. Co-hosting today, we have the community famous Black Cat, otherwise known as Cheap Lightning. And a massive thank you to Mini Satoshi or Alex who will be helping us today with stage management. I am your host, Fiendish Crypto. To guide the space's culture, we want a positive, lively, free chat. So just feel free to grab hold of the mic if you want to chime in. 
or use the hands up feature if you're feeling a little shy or can't get in a word edgeways. For everyone in the audience, if you want to come onto the stage, please make a request for the mic and we will do our best to make sure everyone gets a chance to be heard. Great. So to start up with, uh, I would love to hear from Rolando, UPP leader and Minister of Parliament. Are you there, Rolando? He's in the listening audience, but he needs to be made a speaker. So he has to re request that and someone has to approve it. I don't see him, actually. I'm here, guys. What's up? I do. I just sent him a, I sent him an invite to speak. He's coming on. Okay. Uh, Great stuff. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Rolando, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. 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 Well, afternoon for me. Good evening or good morning for everyone around the world listening. <laughs> yes, lovely to have you with us. I know you're a busy man. And uh, yes, I've been following your updates uh, online and seen the, the live video streams as well. Um, yes, Rolando, maybe you could tell us what have you been doing this week and what's been happening in the parliament in St. Martin? Well, yes, it's been, um, I would say, a historic day um, for, for, let's say, cryptocurrency as a whole, but uh, Bitcoin Cash in general, that the Parliament of St. Martin, I would believe maybe the first parliament ever, has in, engaged into a discussion about uh, creating legal tender and other regulation for Bitcoin Cash. Um, this debate actually has sparked from my support for the cryptocurrency, uh, for my call for financial freedom in my country, where I, I started off the debate by actually reminding everyone the work I've been doing for the last four years, um, trying to reform the, the traditional banking sector without success. Despite many motions that we pass, laws that we bring, the consumer banking area just continues to find ways to not cooperate, to close people's bank accounts, to give ridiculous interest rates, to make it almost impossible for people to, um, to have uh, accounts, and I also gave a study from um, the American Council, the Atlantic Council and the ECLAC that concluded that 60% of the working class in St. Martin and also across the Caribbean and Latin America are without bank accounts. So I use that as the background to kind of explain why, um, you know, a small block size, uh, uh, instantly transferable and remittable currency, something with very low fees or basically no fees is exactly what St. Martin needs. Now, of course, in Parliament, you always have opposition. So there was some concerns brought forward from a, a couple of opposition members regarding, you know, the usual FUD of, oh, what about money laundering? What about tax compliance? What about this? What about that? And I think together with my Minister of Finance, who was also present, we really tried to educate these two uh, opposition members that they've got it all wrong. They don't understand that blockchain actually creates more transparency within our market to understand the flow of money within our market. And at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to our people. And if we know that the banking sector and we have lost control of a financial sector that's going to take years to reform, we have a solution ready right now. Um, we have to look at cryptocurrency. And um, the Minister of Finance and I were both in support of this. Uh, in speaking to other colleagues in Parliament, uh, I feel like a majority will support the legislation moving forward. Um, there is also a call to have more local experts chime in. So we'll be bringing in a former Minister of Finance, some local Forex traders, some local merchants and others that will kind of go through this legislative process. So this is a first step in the legislative process. It might take um, a few months. It might even take a year. Um, but it has, a, it has my top priority. 
um, because it is already in St. Martin and quite prevalent. And what's important about this is that we're creating a template for other countries to follow. What typically happens with this type of um, innovative legislation is that other countries can then adopt it, basically copy-paste it, put it into their own language, make it fit their own civil systems, and then it becomes very easy for others to introduce legal tender for Bitcoin Cash. So that's basically, in a nutshell, what it is. I'm open to any questions from anyone. And if I can add a little bit to that, Rolando. So the, the whole thing is on YouTube. People can watch the whole uh, the whole debate and presentation there. One of the funniest moments there, there was, there was a woman, I'm not sure of her name, who wasn't particularly a fan of Bitcoin Cash. But one of her biggest complaints is that I see it everywhere. It's all over the island. There's these merchants accepting it. And I see stickers for Bitcoin Cash everywhere. So that was one of her biggest complaints. And she wasn't even a fan of Bitcoin Cash. So yeah. I thought it was pretty neat uh, to see that. Yes, uh, just to follow up on that, uh, for everyone that's listening to watch this video, um, just go to www.x, uh, sorry, sxmparliament.org. And the name of the video is PY21-22, Committee of Finance number seven. Um, and I would really advise to watch the whole thing as Roger just mentioned there. Um, this is absolutely a bang on the head. So the opposition party made it very clear that Bitcoin Cash was being used across the entire country and uh, she found that not very good uh, she wasn't very happy because of the lack of regulation but at the very least it's absolutely confirmed uh, that what we're seeing on on twitter all this adoption that's happening in st kitts and happening in st martin it's not just pictures it's really happening merchants are being yeah. onboarded and there are people using utilizing bitcoin cash on a daily basis and that's wonderful yeah you, you know what's funny I, I'm, I'm so focused on the legislative aspect of this I didn't actually realize until Roger mentioned that, that that's a full-on admission that Bitcoin Cash has swept St. Martin by storm. So I guess I can thank the opposition members for that in a, in a sense. Um, yeah, and so, for me, that was probably the, the funniest part of the whole video. And the, the person who's opposed to it is complaining that everybody is already using it across the island. Yeah. Finish, I want to put the, uh, the link to the um, thing in the, uh, what's it called, in the top space here, but I'm not seeing the option for it. And what I'll try and do at some point in the next, I don't know, maybe 24 hours, maybe I can I can repost it up on my own YouTube channel. And I think some of you guys are probably already subscribed to that. So that can make it even easier to find for, for people. Yep. Um, so Alex, I'm not really, I'm not sure how to do that. And I'm afraid that if I try now, it will crash the spaces. So I'm not going to risk it. What I'll do is I'll tweet after the spaces that address so that people can go on that video and find it basically really but everyone that's listening if you're interested in crypto whether a bitcoin cash community member or not it doesn't matter look at it see what's going on check it out it's really exciting and hopefully everyone here who's in the crypto scene you know that we want it to be used um we want to have really a, a real world utility for crypto so it's actually taking away power and, and decentralizing that power to the benefit of everyone involved so check it out <clears throat> Is there any questions for Rolando to discuss what he's doing in St. Martin from the audience? I, I'd love to ask Rolando, though, too, if he can elaborate a little bit more as to why Bitcoin Cash or any cryptocurrency that works as cash is so important to the people of St. Martin and other similarly uh, you know, situated islands where, yeah. and I, I can give you a hint of it, it's because the banks won't let you send or receive money. I, I opened a bank account in Antigua recently. They literally told me I'm not allowed to send or receive any, any international wire transfer. So the only thing that's left is crypto. And of course, Bitcoin Cash is fantastic for that. But I, I'd love to hear Rolando uh, 
Rolando's take on that directly as well, please. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I'll have to do a little bit of tinfoil hat to give the proper perspective because, you see, in the in the 70s, the, the Caribbean region was was booming as a huge offshore financial sector. And banks were opening like crazy. We had a huge commercial sector. This was even before tourism became popular. Caribbean people were earning great salaries. There were bank managers all over the place. Well, Europe and the United States didn't like that very much. So they invented this thing called the FATF that suddenly decided that um, the Caribbean is too high risk and it's a risk for money laundering and terrorism financing. And regulations came like crazy to the Caribbean region. And since then, we've basically lost any sort of practical banking um, 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 ability. It's come to the point where if you work for a casino in St. Martin, you can't have a bank account because your, your salary is coming from a quote-unquote high-risk uh, company, or if you work for a lottery company, or if you work for a construction company that hasn't been in service for at least three years, you probably also can't get a bank account. So it, it has caused a situation across the Caribbean where companies that you probably have, none of you have ever used in maybe decades, like Western Union, standing in line to send $1,000. That is the common way to send money. PayPal is not here. Venmo is not here. Cash App is not here. None of those entities set up in the Caribbean because of this, this really false narrative that the Caribbean people and all the 80 million people bordering the Caribbean Sea are just a bunch of money launderers and so on. So that's the, 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 when, when I drive by Western Union, it breaks my heart every day to see elderly people in the hot sun standing in line for three or four hours just to send 100 bucks to a family member in Curacao or St. Kitts or Jamaica. But that's the norm that Caribbean people have because we don't have access to proper banking. And once Bitcoin Cash especially started to become uh, noticeable by, by people, they realized, wait a minute, I don't need to do this anymore. I don't even need a bank. You know, I can simply go, for example, to one of the local Bitcoin Cash ATMs, uh, put in 100 bucks. I can then put it on my wallet, send it to my family in Curacao. They can then use it. Uh, for whatever they need or they can withdraw it. That is really, it's fulfilling a need that 80 million people don't have access to. Think about Haiti, you know, with 17 million people, Cuba, but also millions of people, Dominican Republic, horrible banking system, system also millions of people. All of us have been shut off from the international banking sector and cryptocurrency is our first way back into it. And the Caribbean is fully embracing it because it's decentralized. No FATF or no one can tell us anything this time. And for those that don't know, the FATF is the Financial Action Task Force. And they're kind of just, I don't know, the world's regulatory body for police, but they, they use political reasons rather than actual reasons to, to bully people around in regards to their banking. Great. I see that BCH Pizza has requested. If we could... Um... Bring them onto the stage. Welcome, Pizza. Uh, is he in? And while we wait for Peter, I'm going to mention that I see uh, Vic uh, Sharma is in the in the audience here too. That's the creator of Cake Wallet, which is probably the most popular Monero mobile wallet. Uh, would love to, you know, put some gentle pressure to have him get Bitcoin Cash in there. Monero and Bitcoin Cash are two of the best. Uh, you know, currencies to work actually as cash. And so I uh, really appreciative of, of him and his uh, effort in this space. 
Okay, excellent. Well, um, I don't know if there are any other questions from me. Oh, I see. Yes, BCHP says there. Uh, yes. Hello, Ronald. Uh, uh, Ronald. Um, yeah, this is like the first time. So I'm Dutch, and I, I believe Saint Martin is is part of uh, the Kingdom of the Netherlands still, right? That's correct. Yes, we're both Dutch. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, this is the first time that I'm hearing about the fact that. Um, having access to international banking is such a problem on the island there. So, but my, my question is, um, so there, it seems that there are two main things that BCH would focus on for adoption, or at least that's being done in St. Martin. One is remittance, and the other one is then having a whole bunch of local stores that, that accept it, which that goes hand in hand with remittance, right? Because then on the receiving end, they don't need uh, an ATM machine because they go directly to a store to buy something with it. Yeah. Um, it seems like the holy grail of getting cryptocurrency adoption is to create a loop, a looped economy where, you know, if there is a store that pays their employees in BCH and then they go, uh, those employees go buy something with their BCH at another store that also then orders from the first store, you can have the same Satoshi, the same sets and the same BCH go around in a loop. And when we have a loop here and a loop there and a loop there, every BCH that gets stuck in a loop is no longer going to be on the market, which means that, you know, the volatility finally slowly starts disappearing, which makes it much more interested to be used as money because the biggest problem with BCH is still you have such incredibly risk if you hold it because the market can just crash 50% in a couple of weeks, as we have seen. So do you have any any solutions to, to, uh, to work towards solving solving these issues because nobody has ever really figured out how to how to how to fix this because like you know um um uh, before people before people can spend it in a store merchants have to accept it first but merchants usually only want to accept it first if there are people that want to spend it in the store so how, how do you do you have any solutions yeah. to like to like really fix this problem well, uh, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that's where the, the organic adoption that's happening. But then on top of that, people like Sunny that are educating merchants about this. That's one part of it. Um, the other part is, like you said, now people, let's say, getting paid in, in Bitcoin cash. Uh, that's where legal tender legislation, for example, helps. You know, legit, legitimizing it from a legal perspective also helps, uh, let's say, our power company or our government or large institutions, hotels and so on, saying, hey, would you like your salary or a portion of your salary uh, in Bitcoin cash? Uh, I took that first step by converting my entire salary to Bitcoin cash. Um, that's the, and, and what also is, is oh, why I would on. tell does you. It, yes. Does it mean you, do you get paid directly in Bitcoin cash or do you get money that no, you then so, use to buy Bitcoin cash with? No. So my, my salary would go to an exchange. And then that exchange pays me because the government doesn't have the mechanism in place to be able to pay the Bitcoin cash directly. Right. So we're working on that still. And, and emergent, if I can add, Emergent Reasons is, is the right guy to talk about this. He's with a company called General Protocols, which is solving this exact problem. And yep. uh, you'll have to unmute and, and okay. tell us all, sure. all about it, or, or I'm happy to for you as well. Yes, yes. So uh, as Roger mentioned, uh, General Protocols, we have a, a protocol called any hedge that allows you to do uh, basically savings on chain, which is, uh, you know, put $100 in uh, one month later, you get $100 out or you put uh, uh, 10 ounces of gold in, uh, you pay, you put BCH in worth 10 ounces of gold, uh, 
uh, one month later, one year later, whatever it is, you get out 10 ounces worth of gold. The, the BCH that's, that's worth 10 ounces of gold at that moment. So, yeah, but it's uh, super that, important to point out there's of, not a custodian here. There's no yeah, middleman. There's, no there's nobody holding your money. This is just a smart contract on the blockchain. So if That's you put right. in you know, $100 of Bitcoin cash today, the price of Bitcoin cash doubles. You're only going to get back half as much Bitcoin cash, but it's still worth the $100 that you put in. Or if it goes the other way and the price goes, goes down by half of Bitcoin cash, you'll get back twice as many Bitcoin cash, but it's still worth the same dollar amount. And you're not trusting a custodian. You're not you're not turning over your private keys to somebody else. It's really, really an important uh, emphasis I have to make there. And I'm sorry to have interrupted you on that, but people have to understand that you're not trusting somebody to hold the money for you in this situation. That's exactly right. That's that's a, exactly the point. And and not only that, but uh, you know, in some aspects, crypto has gone far, far overboard in speculation, right? Where it's like pure speculation in in, in a lot of cases. So uh, uh, any hedge is is a thing that explicitly brings together uh, speculators and people who want stability, right? So it lets people trade volatility, right? It lets a merchant who wants to receive $100 to receive $100. And it lets a speculator who wants to bet on things going up or down to make their bet. And it, you know, that's a peer to peer economy, as opposed to needing to go to some custodian or clearing house or something like that, like you mentioned. So Which yes. I think and I think with the current situation of everything that's uh, happening, um, I hope uh, Ryan doesn't mind. Ryan made a video about this, uh, a live stream that I watched uh, the other day that he was also caught with Voyager and, um, and and lost some funds there. And, you know, the whole point of crypto is to get rid of that issue. And yeah. uh, actually, uh, we're probably more the crypto people and, and everyone, you know, we have a lot of trust, a lot of great community members also have their crypto stored on centralized services and it's going really wrong and i really hope that this <laughs> yeah. is a great reminder to everyone out there and everyone that's listening the point of crypto is that you have the control and you have the power and no centralized service can take your crypto can uh, can either steal it or, or because of legal complications they ha may have to may be forced uh, to freeze it uh, when they're being uh, liquidated or, um, you know, declared insolvent. Um, and, and crypto was supposed to solve that. So uh, thank you so much. And we're going to be listening a bit more from uh, from John later about the uh, future uh, stuff that's coming on to change. But th this um, any hedge tool is, I see, one of the most critical pieces to the jigsaw that's missing uh, from, from Bitcoin Cash. And I'm really excited right. uh, to see this we, coming we out. We look forward to getting it integrated in wallets and applications and, and making it available to everyone. Uh, I actually had a question for, for Rolando, uh, a couple of questions, as a matter of fact. Uh, do you mind if I go ahead with that? Yeah, I'm good. All right. So uh, the, the two questions are, uh, I think we've mentioned it before, but I, I really think it's worth uh, putting out there, right? Because when, when people hear legal tender, um, what they have seen so far is very bad examples, right? Where people are forced to do oh, no. things, yeah. forced to use uh, certain other cryptocurrencies or, or that kind of thing. Um, so could you speak to that aspect of, uh, you know, the, the kind of whether it's voluntary or whether something is enforced, that kind of thing. And then the other question is about uh, what kind of uh, pushback or not necessarily pushback, but what kind of concerns did you hear? Would it be possible to summarize uh, what the the kind of valid concerns were on regulation or other issues that that people brought up during the hearing? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, absolutely to be clear, totally mandatory, optional um, uh, uh, adoption or or use 
of Bitcoin Cash. It's absolutely uh, everyone's option. And the thing is, St. Martin, we kind of have that already because we have a local currency called the Gilder. But the U.S. dollar is extremely prevalent because of, of um, because of the, the, the amount of U.S. tourists. So people just have the option to also just simply pay in dollars. But it's not mandatory that you have to accept the dollar. We still have our national currency. So Bitcoin Cash will be treated exactly the same way. Again, the, 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 the legal tender status just gives a certain level of comfort to the society, to the merchants, to the people to understand that this is a, a legitimate form of currency and it's encouraged to be used. However, you, you're, it is fully at your discretion whether you accept or spend it. Uh, for your second question, the main concerns were that, uh, like, like Roger described earlier, that Bitcoin Cash over the last year has just simply popped up. You know, and and acceptance is growing, growing exponentially. And uh, what what is the, what does this mean? Are people uh, no longer going to pay taxes because they're not? Uh, they're only collecting cryptocurrency. Is that subject to tax or not? Uh, is the government going to go bankrupt? There was a lot of doom and gloom that was painted by a couple opposition members, which I think was highly exaggerated. Um, but nonetheless, it's part of parliamentary debate. Um, it's good to hear from them, especially at this early stage what the concerns can be so that we can make sure we address that uh, very clearly um, to the population and to other members of parliament. But that's really it. It's just that, what does this mean that this is taking over our island? Is this, is this um, you know, terrible for our government's taxes? Is this terrible for the economy? That's the, the, the sort of concern that you get shouted at you. This is, this is such... This is such unique opportunity to show the world that this invention by Satoshi Nakamoto can actually be used to do something good. If you allow, if you're, if if there eventually, if Saint Martin eventually starts accepting this uh, for people to pay their taxes in it, you can have a treasure address that is public where every citizen can see this is where my tax money is is going. When then that that BCH is being used by the government to buy something with that is needed, people can see this is what my money is used for. If you if you know these addresses, you can directly see oh I, this is my tax money that went to the government, and then the government sent it to this business to buy whatever with it or something. That is such transparency that governments don't have. It is so important that this this could change everything in the world if if this starts becoming the norm. If people see look. We have this 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 Bitcoin system that was designed to Satoshi. Where now, the bigger you are as an entity, the bigger a business or corporation that, the less privacy you have. And if you are a small individual, it's possible to have a lot more privacy than you've ever had before. These dynamics are so incredible. That is very well said. It, it puts so much more power back into the hands to the people. Right now, if you want to know if the government is managing or tax money properly, you need journalists, and those journalists need to get special access to all kinds of documents. But if we switch this over and Bitcoin Cash plays this role, then any computer nerd that knows how to read these blockchains can go on there and can figure out if this money is being managed properly or mismanaged. And then they can go into social media and can say, yes, look, I've traced it. It's being managed properly. Or no, this is going on. Look, this guy's putting this money in his own wallet. Look, there it is. I can prove it mathematically. We need this. The world needs this. Yeah, I think um, I didn't even mention uh, some of those aspects that the Minister of Finance 
brought forward, like in terms of blockchain, um, like we have our cadastro system, our notarial system. One of the things we want to do is have our deeds incorporated on smart contracts. And that's when in response to his proposal, I encouraged him to contact um, Mr. From, uh, Josh Green from Verdi, who I know has done similar projects with the government of the city, the city of uh, Dublin in Ohio. Um, you know, so I even mentioned that uh, as well to him. So that's something that's developing as well. Lots of solutions. One of the opposition members mentioned, oh, uh, there's a lottery company that's accepting Bitcoin cash. You know, that's highly suspicious. We don't know what they're doing with that money. My response was, on the contrary, if the tax department wants to know how much that lottery company is receiving in Bitcoin cash, go and buy a $1 ticket and you know exactly what their wallet is. So that's that's impossible without cryptocurrency. So actually, that lottery company is opening themselves to more scrutiny to the world by having that 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 um, that using cryptocurrency. And I like how you frame it. It's less privacy, maybe for the big business, but it's definitely more privacy and effectiveness for the for the individual. Exactly. And, that's amazing. and those are the power dynamics we need to restore in the world where where again, there is going to be more power on the side of the public and a little bit less, because that way, maybe we can get some accountability again in this world. And I couldn't I, applaud I, that louder. Sorry, uh, Roger. <laughs> but I think that was an amazing, amazing point, Kane. There were so many really important things that are said there that are quite often not talked about is the difference. There is a huge difference between transparency and privacy. And, uh, and that's the great thing about Bitcoin Cash. It offers that. And I'm really excited by everything you said. Yeah, this is a balance. This, this is how the smaller the individual is. They have the control over the slider between privacy and transparency. They can have separate wallets. If they need to be transparent, they can be transparent. If they need to be private, they can be private. If they're small enough, if they're a huge entity and a large, a large, large enough corporation, they do not have that choice anymore because they're so prevalent on the blockchain, they're going to be transparent by default. Yeah, that, that's a great point is that the merchants have the option of how transparent they want to be on the blockchain. So in St. Martin, in St. Kitts, in Antigua and around the world, in Venezuela, people are using this app called the Bitcoin Cash Register app. Well, with the Bitcoin Cash Register app, you can plug in your single address and then every single payment that's made to the merchants right there at that single address. But you can also, instead of using a single address, you can use what's called an XPUB. And an XPUB is just like a, a fancy, complicated sounding name for kind of like the master address of the wallet. And then it can generate all the different individual addresses in the wallet from that one single XPUB. And so each person that then pays, if you're using the XPUB, is paying to a different address. And they'll only be able to see which address they pay to, but they won't know which address the other customers pay to. So it can give you a lot of privacy as well if the merchant wants that. So it's really a really neat in that sense. And in regards to you know governments and taxation and that sort of thing, it's just like cash, right? The merchants are obligated uh, uh, under uh, under force of law to pay taxes on the cash they receive, it would be the same with the cryptocurrency. And the merchants will have to report it the, the same way as if someone pays them with you know, physical pieces of paper cash or, or Bitcoin cash. Great. Uh, I see, just to keep things moving on, I would like to take uh, one more question for Ronaldo. Uh, Rolando, Jesus, so sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to have this issue for the next uh, two or three years. Um, uh, just just going to have to apologize. So, Roy Batty, uh, I see you have a question. If uh, my co-hosts would, could bring him onto the stage. Um, I'd love to hear from, uh, from you and to hear what your question is or what you'd like to say. Okay, 
I see still showing to me as yeah. requested. Um, cheap lightning, mini Satoshi. Ah, there we go. Roy, yeah, you're on. Hey, Roy, Cheers. how are you doing? Go ahead. What's going on, guys? I'm uh, just an Android with a four-year lifespan. Uh, thank you for having me up here. Uh, just got a couple questions, uh, two questions, really. Uh, one for Rolando and one for Roger Ver. Uh, Rolando, uh, how much is Roger Ver paying you to do this? And Roger, do you ever plan on paying the hundreds of millions of dollars that you owe? Um, okay, so I'm going to shut down that question right there. Um, this is it's, uh, it's, it's uh, okay. I'm a I'm a politician and a big boy. Um, yeah. You see, people like this. Th this is the the problem with a lot of people in society. They have lost so much trust in politicians that they assume if someone is pushing something like this, it has to be for a reason that he mentioned. And that's, and that's exactly the problem where my predecessors, especially my country, that have had a lot of corruption allegations, this is the problem. Roy, if you look and just Google some of the things I do and the real problems that we have in banking in my country, you will understand that this is an actual solution for my people. And not you or anyone else can replace my love for my country and my people. So when I hear something like that, I ask you to keep in mind, I serve the people of St. Martin, all 51,000 of them, and they are depending on me to fix this. So no, I don't need anyone to pay me anything because they've already given me their vote. And on the second part, uh, that's another problem with Twitter is that somebody sees something and they just believe that it's true. So uh, we'll address the rest of that uh, a little bit later here. But just because you see something written on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. Yes, exactly. Um, so moving on, uh, I just want to make it uh, very clear. I'm absolutely really uh, interested and excited to hear Roger Ver's uh, statement. Uh, Roger Ver is here today uh, to give an offer an exclusive statement. Um, before that, uh, I would really love to hear from uh, General uh, uh, General Protocols and John Neary, the um, president of General Protocols. Uh, but before we go there, I'd just also like to have a reminder to everyone that's listening, everyone like, that would like to get on the stage. Um, I'm very up for a very open, constructive discussion and different opinions. And I think that's fantastic. Um, but if people just want to come up onto the stage to start throwing mud uh, or accusations at people and making uh, quite wide assumptions, don't bother. It's, it's not what this space is about. It's not interesting. We will take the mic away from you. That's not what it's about. If you want to come up here and have an opinion that's different to mine or any of the other guests, that's fantastic. Please come on. Keep it constructive, guys. Okay. Um, so on that note, um, John, it's wonderful to have you here. Hey, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> a, lot of, yes. a lot of heat flying around here. Yes, uh, it's to be expected where, you know, you, we've got a, a few hundred now uh, listeners. And of course, there's going to be some people that maybe aren't so friendly um, to the space. So, yes, John, um, I've invited you uh, to today to talk about Bitcoin Cash future. Um, and uh, I know you've uh, got a, just recently did a presentation uh, or a live stream on cash tokens. I'd love to hear some. I'm sure most of us here would love to hear some something about that. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. And before I get into that, I just wanted to mention for our uh, four-year-old Android friend who was just on the stage that uh, Bitcoin Cash, uh, which works in a transparent way without the need for permission to participate in the network, is, uh, is very friendly to, to Androids and AIs who, you know, aren't able to get a bank account. So I hope, I hope our Android friend will give that a try. 
Um, so one of the things uh, that I wanted to, to do before I talk about cash tokens is uh, just zoom out a little bit um, before talking about it. So the things that Rolando um, and Roger, oh, and Sonny is here. So uh, yeah, all, all the things that these guys have, have talked about and all the adoption and uh, kind of retail and merchants and commerce that's going on is amazing. And that's already happening, right? All of these things are already done. All the things that we're talking about, that they are talking about, are things that somebody can just do with a phone, right? That's all you need to do it. You have a phone, you can do uh, all of the stuff that they talked about. You know that your coins are your coins. They're, they're not in the custody of a bank. Uh, they're not exposed to a central bank that may decide, hey, we need to issue you know, 100% of the, the existing uh, issuance of the coin this year. So uh, sorry about that, but your coin is now worth 50% of what it was or whatever. You know, it's not exposed to that kind of uh, external control and action being taken on it. Uh, you're confident that uh, you, you put it somewhere and you forget about it, you leave it, you come back five years later, it's going to be right there, right? There's no question about it. It's just secure. And, and like I said, all you need is a phone to do that. So all these things that we can already do are amazing. Uh, but this is where, uh, if we if we zoom out a little bit, that something like cash tokens comes in. Uh, we have the payments, the the holding, all of that stuff works really well. It's going to scale to the world. Uh, we have research. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be able to add a link to it, but we have ongoing research about how to scale to the world, not just saying that we can do it, but you know, showing that we can do it. But uh, on top of all those things that we already have. Uh, this is like the beginning of the internet age. You know, the, there's there's a, there's a lot of imagination. There's a lot of possibility, but there's not much that's been realized yet. So there's all these layers of economy and commerce on top of, you know, payments, uh, in addition to payments. And they're impressively, uh, impressively primitive, uh, considering, you know, the, the, the sophistication of all the, the internet uh, services and everything that, that we are accustomed to today. Uh, all of these uh, money and commerce layers depend on inefficient, uh, legalistic type of agreements all over the place. Uh, central banks, reserves, uh, bank reserves, clearing houses, uh, settlement processes, international settlement, uh, loan companies. Uh, all of these things are, are quite inefficient and all depend on very large central parties to execute. That's where Cash Tokens comes in. So Cash Tokens takes Bitcoin Cash Network, which is all about money and utility. And uh, an upgrade like Cash Tokens expands that so that we can do all of those layers that I just talked about, right? The ones that you want, you can keep. The ones that you don't want, you throw out the window. Um, and we do all that with contracts that are based on the Bitcoin Cash uh, blockchain. So you want to get a loan, uh, you don't need to go to a giant bank and beg them. You go to the global market. You go straight to the global market. You don't need to ask anybody for permission. You go to the market. You, you uh, There may be some uh, protocol for doing that. You go in there. You get your loan. You make an offer. Somebody rejects it or takes it, whatever it is. You do that. And that costs not months of work or weeks of legwork and uh, all kinds of uh, contracts and paying some kind of bank to do something that costs a penny, right? That's a transaction. That's a single transaction to do that uh, with something like cash tokens. 
uh, you want to do crowdfunding for some kind of public process, uh, uh, sorry, a public good, like a bridge or a road, or you want to do it for, uh, to raise money for something that's important to you, same thing, right? You do that with a contract that costs a penny uh, or less, whatever it is, you know, basically nothing. Uh, it's a transaction. Uh, you want to put uh, your, your organization, you want to sell shares into a global marketplace. You don't need to go to NASDAQ. You don't need to come up with some kind of uh, legalistic arrangement. You don't need to pay them anything under the table to, to, to get listed. You don't need to go to an exchange and pay them under a table to get listed. You go onto the global marketplace. Of course, it's a transaction. So you do all of that for a penny. And I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating, right? These are things that you can do with contracts um, and all, all the logic, all the rules, all the participation, the ways of participating are built into the contract logic. And it's nothing special. It's very efficient. And you just post that into a transaction and you're participating in the global market. But to do that, you need something like cash tokens, which allows the blockchain to be very efficient about doing these kind of setups. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of an outline of what cash tokens overall is going to enable. Does, does that, does that uh, what do you think about that description, Phoenix? Do you have any questions there? Have I, have yeah, I, given I a think, good go? I, I think that's a, a really interesting for me. That's, um, explains it very well for the layman i hope uh for me i understood it uh so so it must be pretty good um what i'd like to know is then what um are the what are the downsides relative to something like ethereum because ethereum is essentially doing a similar thing um but it's very expensive so um on bitcoin cash that would be very cheap but i'm guessing there are also some some negative sides to that too or some some things some challenges extra challenges to building on the uh, cash token protocol yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, this gets into a little bit of technical, but I'll, I'll try to keep it out of the, the technicals as much as possible. But the, the, the very short answer is that the reason, for, in most cases, the reason anything you see becomes expensive, like transactions become expensive, that's uh, Ethereum or uh, other, other networks. The reason they become expensive fundamentally is because of scaling. They aren't scaling well. Um, and the Ethereum and the EVM, Generally, there, there's lots of coins and networks that are based on EVM. Uh, Somebody is going to shoot me. They're, they're going to they're going to assassinate me for saying this. But EVM does not scale well. Uh, in opposition, uh, the the original design that, that Bitcoin Cash is based on is called a UTXO, um, and UTXO very specifically scales extremely well and efficiently, so that transactions can be fast. Everybody can get in. Everybody can participate and it never becomes expensive because the network is able to handle all that volume. It doesn't need to overcharge for things because there's enough room for everybody. And this is the exact original design, uh, right, of, of, of Bitcoin Cash and, and UTXO is let everybody in, let everybody participate to the extent that technology can support it. We let everybody in, everybody participates and miners, the proof of work miners, they earn massive fees, not by overcharging, not by charging a ridiculous amount for a single transaction, but by supporting a massive economy worth of transactions. And that's where their income and the, the security of the network comes from. Uh, I mean, of course, that's going to be much more diversified than uh, the few people that will be able to pay you extortionate fees to participate in some kind of a network that's struggling with scaling. 
So, sorry, the short answer is scaling is, is the huge benefit that uh, Bitcoin Cash brings. And Cash Tokens is built very, very tightly with that efficient design in mind. It's extremely efficient and it doesn't break anything. So all the things that used to work continue to work. All the new things that are possible, entrepreneurs can use them if they want to, and they don't affect the scalability of Bitcoin Cash. Everything continues to work. Um, the downside, can I go ahead to the downside? Yeah, sure, go ahead. We'd love to hear that. What a, a balanced argument here. Yeah, yeah. So the downside is generally that uh, uh, the, the type of programming that you do with EVMs, with uh, uh, Ethereum, is uh, it's easier to think about because of the, the way it's built. It's called the account system. It's much easier to think about. When you program with UTXOs, it's more complex. So uh, developers, either developers have to be uh, much more sophisticated than they would be programming on Ethereum, or they have to have better tools. And that's the direction that, uh, that my company, General Protocols, is going in, is making sure that the network entrepreneurs, builders have tools that abstract away that, uh, all that complexity and makes it available to them so that they can just build the app that they want to build. They don't need to worry about, they don't need to become experts on UTXO and, and blockchain and everything like that. Yeah, I think this is an important point. Um, you, of course, we want to make the ecosystem as attractive as po possible, get as many entrepreneurs as possible. Um, and I'm quite very excited, got to say, to see what tools uh, your company is bringing out to help that. So as I understand, the implementation um, is looking pretty uh, good um, to be integrated uh, in the May 2023 uh, upgrade. Is that correct? Or um, or do I, yes, do I understand uh, that? Not, 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 so, not so right. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And it's a, it's a good point that um, there, there's, no, uh, there's no single person. There's no uh, me or the, you know, the reference node of, of Bitcoin Cash uh, or uh, some central dictator or foundation or uh, founders group or whatever. There's nothing like that in Bitcoin Cash, right? We have a thing called the chip process that decides uh, what goes into the consensus of Bitcoin Cash. And that's a very big decision because uh, when you're running a whole economy, uh, you, you've got to make good decisions about what goes into your consensus protocol. Um, and Bitcoin Cash is a very conservative network. So we want to grow. We want to keep making new things possible. But uh, stability is, is and not breaking things is more important than any particular new idea or great new feature to add to things. So, so Cash Tokens has been through a lot of fire, a very uh, hot crucible of uh, you know, criticism of, uh, tell, you know, people having better ideas and whatever. And it's been through so many iterations and now it's actually at the point. So people may remember something called PMV3 or group tokens or some other things. Um, and this is kind of this, this, uh, multi-year evolution of this idea that has been through a lot of fire to get to a point that, uh, it's very efficient. It doesn't break anything. All that to say, yeah, I think it has a pretty good chance of being accepted by the chip process and feedback of all the stakeholders in the, the ecosystem that everyone's just going to give it the thumbs up and start building it um, because it's, it's come a long way. Fantastic. I'm really excited and I hope that goes through. So just to understand, the chip, the chip process is quite new and... Um, uh, th this was established, it, it, say if I'm wrong, th there's uh, six months to uh, really hash out what should be implemented into the next upgrade. 
um uh and then the next six months or is it six months is then to then prepare for that upgrade to make sure that all stakeholders are happy about this there's no surprises is that uh is that correct or am i missing something yeah that's a good summary in in the first six months which is uh may plus six months uh it goes through um uh some very specific uh, thresholds and uh, milestones. So any kind of idea, basically you come to the Bitcoin Cash Network and you say, hey, I have this really amazing idea to make you know money even better. Uh, we're going to do this thing. And, and the default answer is, yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's probably not a good idea by default. But you, know, you do the legwork, you show people that something is a good idea. And uh, right, there's all these milestones on uh, kind of proving it. And, and the cash tokens has been through these milestones actually through several years, not even just the six months, right? The six months is more of the final milestones of, are people really going to adopt this? You know, are all the nodes that they agree to this? Uh, because Bitcoin Cash ecosystem has more than one uh, node that, that, that operates on the network. That's an, actually in a very important issue for us uh, to, to avoid capture. Um, uh, do do all the exchanges, are they okay with it? Are, is it going to break anything? Is it going to break any miners? Like, is it going to break their ASICs or break their setups or the, the pool software? Um, does it work for the applications, like for Satoshi Dice or for whatever kind of uh, uh, apps that are out there, right? So it has to go through all that process. And that's kind of that six months. And after that six months, it goes into a phase of, you know, don't touch anything. <laughs> this is the time for people to get ready. And so there's no more changes going on. And there's a full six months for exchanges to upgrade, for miners to upgrade and that kind of thing. Great. Thank you. Um, sorry, it cut out there a bit for me personally, um, but it was my technical issues. Um, but just to, uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, John, why was the chip process implemented? What was it uh, designed to prevent? Um, it, it's designed to create stability um, and to allow the Bitcoin Cash network to stay as decentralized and decentralized needs to have specific meanings, right? Because it's used as a buzzword that, that becomes meaningless sometimes. But in this case, what it means is you have to decide what goes into consensus. At some point, uh, it, if you don't change, your network is going to die. Um, it, it might be that we reach some point in the future, you know, tens, you know, decades from now that, that nothing changes whatsoever and, you know, who knows what happens then, right? That Nobody can predict that. But in the meantime, uh, you have to assume that you've got to be able to adapt to some degree, right? To, to make things better, to scale, to, uh, you know, add things like cash tokens, whatever it is. So the chip processes balances that, that we want stability. We don't want things breaking. We want people to participate in a constructive way in the development of the, uh, the consensus of Bitcoin Cash, of, of the network. But at the same time, we want to be able to change. This is the threading the needle, right? You, you, you've got to really make it work. Um, and there's there's examples on the left and the right side that have fallen off and died, right? Of, uh, you know, they do too much of one thing or too little of another. They don't change at all. They change too much. They Im implement some bad idea. So there's a lot of ways to die. <laughs> with, exactly. Uh, with the system. <laughs> like, like yeah. crypto, where you, you, you make something and then uh, that becomes kind of the rules of the network, right? So you have to be very careful with it. So, yes. Yeah, and that's why it I draws me very much to Bitcoin Cash is trying to find this middle way 
uh, trying to find the yeah the, the path that makes the most sense, uh, not going too extreme on either one uh, or the other direction. Is there anyone uh, in the audience has any questions for John? Okay, I'm not seeing anyone. Hey, John, 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 when are you starting to onboard merchants, man? That's what we need. Give, give some <laughs> I'm your engineering department, man. <laughs> you know what? That, that's actually a great point that, that uh, I've made for a long time is uh, the, the amazing thing about Bitcoin Cash Network is uh, we kind of operate as a big organization, but there isn't a big organization, right? It's just the incentives that work so that, you know, general protocols does its thing. We generate these protocols and infrastructure and other people do the same. Uh, people like yourself, Sonny, do an amazing job with uh, finding merchants and finding retail to do things. There's, uh, there's others who, who, who take on other aspects of it. It's just incredible to see the amount of coordination that happens uh, spontaneously uh, on the Bitcoin Cash Network. Very important, very important. And then with my group now, we actually literally have everybody. We have the map.bitcoin.com. By the way, I have to, have to say hello to Roger, to find this crypto, to everybody here. Uh, I was a little late. I hope I did not miss a lot. I had a meeting to attend. I'm, I've come to Navis. And then uh, I, I heard Ronaldo speaking already. So I listened to the recording. Yeah, yeah. John, no, I'll let you continue. Hey, well, actually, um, yeah, if there's no, no questions uh, for, for John, um, then I, I, I have a really... question, actually. Oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, uh, of course, we know that uh, uh, tokens is, is uh, not etched in stone yet. Um, other than uh, the decks that Jason uh, has created a prototype of, are you aware of any other projects that are being developed already with the assumption that uh, uh, it will be implemented uh, next year? Yeah, uh, actually, I'm going to turn that question around an answer with just that one example, because it kind of demonstrates what a ridiculous amount of power you get with cash tokens. And not only the amount of power, but just that it's so efficient and works in line with the original design of UTXO and efficient, uh, large volume participation. Um, so the, the thing that he put out is called uh, JEDX. Uh, what's it called? The uh, Joint Execution decentralized exchange. Um, I don't know why that name, <laughs> but, but let me tell you uh, all the things that are possible with just that one design that he made, right? And this is already real. He's already operating this on uh, the test net where he's implemented cash tokens and you know he's running a test net with these new rules. So just with that one thing that he made, uh, you have a company, these are just examples. So you have a company that wants to list its shares on the market. You don't go through this expensive legalistic process to get into a centralized market. You don't have to do that with JEDX. Instead, you flip it on its head. Any company, organization, individual, whatever, they can launch a full set of participation rules. Uh, they can launch their own market. And, and it's not like it's an isolated market, right? As soon as you launch it on the blockchain, you're already there, part of a global market right there. You pay a penny, You've launched your company with all the rules, the participation rules, the stakeholder rules, uh, the tradability of the shares, all of that is done literally in one transaction, right? That's a company. That's one thing you can do with JEDX. Uh, for event tickets, uh, instead of going through a centralized ticket agency, 
Um, I mean, you can do that if you want to, or they might use these features themselves. But if you want to run an event, you want to make your tickets available on the market, uh, you, <laughs> you do the same thing. You, you publish your tickets with all the rules on them that you want to have that, that, you know, that are appropriate for your case. Uh, whether people can resale them, maybe they can't resale them. Maybe they have to have some other token, like exclusive token, to even be able to buy the tickets. Um, who knows? Whatever rules you want to put on it, again, you, you launch all of that with one transaction, and it all becomes available to to the global market. Uh, you need a cash injection. Uh, you want, you know, you you think you can pay it back, uh, so you make a bond offer directly on the global market. You don't need to go through some kind of central custodian or clearinghouse or bank. You just put it out there. And it's up to you, you know, to make that a success and for people to trust you or you to build trust and all of that. So just with this one thing that he published, all those those things that I mentioned become possible. So not only is it is somebody building it, it's already been built that exists right now. You can go on uh, his his page where he's showing it and he talks about it and you can actually use these contracts right now. Um, so yes. Sorry, it's what really, do you mean by really you, sorry? What do you mean by use these contracts right now? Like you can actually trade things? Oh, testnet. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a testnet. Like it's a testnet of of Bitcoin Cash, where you know, in a testnet, it's a uh, it's like a version of the the real Bitcoin Cash network, but you know, it has different rules about mining and all that kind of thing. So it's just for people to practice with or test things on. And he's made a version of the Bitcoin Cash network that has already enabled this cash tokens idea. And then you can go on that and you can do one of these things. You can launch your company, you can launch your tickets or whatever it is that you want to do there. So yeah, yeah, it, it, there's already people developing things for it. They've, they've already finished development for some of these things, yes. This is really exciting. And uh, I think when this is when if uh, this releases, um, I really hope that cash tokens uh, gets released um, in some form so that this can be uh, launched. It'd be uh, then is for the sales guys is say sunny. We're saying this is like an organization. So we need our sales guys, which are, I guess sunny <laughs> you, you fall into that role to go to like Glastonbury Festival in UK or to Woodstock in America and see if we can get these uh, big music festivals or things like that on the new ticketing system running on Bitcoin Cash. Um, Alex, I see you have a question, dude. Uh, not a question, but interesting development, which now that John's touched upon that, I I can't go into full details, but my primetime job is working in one of, uh, one of the prominent uh, global investment banks, and they've tasked me with creating a new company to do exactly that, to open up debt markets, equity markets, everything like that, and create solutions that we can either centralized route such as describes or where our company if we need to for regulation of the u.s and otherwise our company can become that middle ground where we assume no risk so there's no issue for us but all we do is we tokenize assets uh any kind of security or anything like that and i hope to have really exciting news about this in the next six months the cash tokens will make this huge because uh it's very possible in the next month or two i'm going to be starting to hire a development team in order to fully build out these products so we can bring crypto on the Bitcoin Cash Network uh, to anyone and everyone. Bring, you know, updating these traditional markets so they no longer have to trade only during trading hours. You have 24-7. You could have, you know, 
open up to huge secondary markets because maybe drug dealers want to invest in the prison business. But, you know, they can't right now. I don't care. I just want people to enable anyone to invest any money that they want anywhere. And so I'm really looking forward to hopefully having an announcement on this soon um, because a lot of work has been going into this, a lot of legal teams, a lot of just every part of this company. And so I hope to have a huge announcement on this coming soon. I don't know what details I'll be able to share at what point until we have a final product, but it's something that's currently being worked on. And cash tokens would make the entire development process so much easier for everything that we want to do and be able to offer to the world. That's fantastic to hear, Alex. I just want to add, though, that's one of the things I love so much about the Bitcoin Cash community is there's just so many entrepreneurial people that are out there doing things. Whereas you see a lot of these like laser eye BTC maxis, all they care about is number go up and they don't care about actually building the utility. Whereas in Bitcoin Cash, people are using it for remittances, they're using it for tokens, they're using it for all sorts of things. And I just love how it's such a, a great community of, of entrepreneurial minded doers that are out there doing things. So thank you for sharing that, uh, Alex, as well. And I, speaking of doers, Gabriel Cardona, the founder of uh, Bitbox, which was a, a software development platform for people to build that, on top of Bitcoin Cash easier. I see him in here. Just a giant thanks to all this uh, work and effort and things that uh, Gabriel has done in the past and the things that he's uh, continuing to do in the future over uh, on Avalanche, I believe, at the moment. Thank you. Uh, and for anyone that's joined the Twitter space um, and, uh, yeah, is not aware. So that was Roger Ver. Roger Ver is here um, to make an exclusive statement in regards to uh, CoinFlex. Um, that will be coming up in just in a moment. Uh, but before that, I'd just like to introduce our, our last invited guest, uh, Sunny, onto the stage. Um, Sunny, I believe you've been uh, very busy over the last couple of weeks um, in Antigua. I'd love to hear about uh, what you've been up to there, man. Yeah, yeah, it has been it has been a busy week. So we we tried to go meet a couple of other islands as well. Antigua was there for a week. We did like thirty five onboardings, from pharmacies to taxis to retail stores, electronic stores. I think we they they have two hundred people more calling me already. Want me to come back? It's just me. So uh, we'll surely go there for a couple of weeks and onboard a couple of hundred more merchants, waiting for the right time. Uh, that's one good news. The other is we have a Everybody should support it. We have our next big merchants meetup. Uh, it's going to be in Ohio. Columbus uh, is already announced July 27th. Aaron is going to be displaying his cash register as well, as well as the module. Uh, the vending machines might reach on time as well. BCH vending machines only accepting BCH. As well as uh, he's also input the... I don't know if Jason is there. He's been asking and we all have been asking for something very long. The cash register app will now be able to print receipts. That's one of the major things because sometimes a lot of merchants don't have the 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 facility or the input to do when they close. It says cash, check, Bitcoin cash, credit card. So now they can actually have a printout of the receipt, give to the customer, write on the receipt, Bitcoin cash, and have a record of their sales for the price fluctuation or whatever. So that's a big, big plus for us all uh, onboarding group. Yeah, that's a huge thing. This is, I know, uh, Jason in Australia was requesting this too. Um, this further legitimizes the use of Bitcoin Cash and, you know, make sure that everything's done in a way that uh, the local government might require. Um, very exciting. Yes, yes. And then uh, also also coming up is uh, we're going to do an event in St. Kitts as well for all the merchants. Uh, remember, we have to keep the BCH fire burning. I really don't care about the markets. I Like, like I said, I'm not a techie. 
I don't know about it. Uh, make sure it's a utility. That's the purpose for it, and I'm trying to push that. So that's my department. I mean, not, uh, on a personal level, besides my other businesses. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Sunny, um, as I understand, uh, the uh, Bitcoin Cash Conference in St. Martin, um, I understand that this is still something being worked on by several in the community. Uh, do you have any information to share about that? Yes, what we are just waiting for, right, is, is one, uh, we were thinking about, about the right time. We wanted some input for the community. So maybe uh, we will actually, I don't know how is it possible and you can start it. I'm not very good at it. We can do a vote for a date, month or a year. So people want it in November and we'll go on the vote. How many people can make it? We just cannot do a conference and me, Roger and you are there, right? So we want the people to be able to attend it, book their flights. We want everybody to be a part of it. It's just not about a group. We also want other developers. We want Josh. We want Ryan. We want everybody, you know. And so, I guess also a big party at the end of it all. Yeah, so uh, we, 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 because Bitcoin Cash Conference will not just be about onboarding. It will be about uh, about everybody. So the development teams, the other teams, uh, we want everybody that's interested. Maybe merch. Uh, and then, of course, we will, uh, I always suggest it and we'll continue with it. We'll have a two-hour. We'll just integrate a two-hour merchants meeting in that conference where they're not so maybe they don't want to come for the conference or they don't have the time for it or whatever, but they don't want to listen. I don't know how the reaction is, but they are businessmen at the end. They accept Bitcoin Cash and they should come and meet and greet the Bitcoin Cash team if there is a conference, you know, which will happen. Yes. Absolutely. And that's fantastic news. I'm sure many in the community are very happy to hear that there is still a Bitcoin Cash conference being planned. Hopefully 2022. I'm actually here, I'm actually here, I'm actually here with the team from St. Martin, but uh, I had a meeting with the Premier of Nevis. And I shouldn't say it. I just asked him, Premier, if I want to do a conference in St. Kitts and Nevis, especially in Nevis, what are the chances about us coming in and, and the vaccination uh, rules being a little relaxed and we test when we land? And he said, more than welcome. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and news. Sunny, if, if, if I can ask you to talk a little bit more, because a lot of people don't realize this. Sunny has a lot of employees himself with his own business and is friends with a bunch of the other business owners. Sunny, can you talk about the amount of people that are using Bitcoin Cash for payroll in St. Kitts and how some of the other merchants are even, they're not getting as many customers as they want paying with Bitcoin Cash. So they're then going and taking their traditional old-fashioned money and buying more Bitcoin Cash to do their payroll with it. Can you talk about all that sort of stuff you see going yes. on there? Actually, actually, I just got a call from Nevis because somehow they saw me in Nevis and they just asked me, why is the ATM not working? So I said, don't worry, it'll work. But if you need Bitcoin Cash, I will just send it to you via WhatsApp. He said, no, I want my staff to go and buy Bitcoin Cash so they can send money to India and they can do their things with their salaries. So people are actually looking forward uh, to doing payrolls. A lot of businesses have already started, including myself. Like I said, uh, I started with uh, just $200 a month giving them. Just in the beginning, next month it was 500 and I think this payroll we haven't done yet is the second uh, uh, was busy. But when they want, uh, most of them are asking for full salary in Bitcoin Cash. Myself, I never, I have not wired money home to my mom and my wife in the last three, four months. I actually send Bitcoin Cash and she just gets cash. That's how, how nice it is. And it's instant. In fact, the suppliers in Bombay, most of the people uh, accept Bitcoin Cash. Uh, I have not asked them what they do with it or what what's around about. But it's such a such such a comfort level where you can just in the middle of the night wake up and I'll, I'll give you a real real good example. Uh, we are in the very heavy monsoon season, 
and my wife just called me and said son you have to do something about it. we have a big terrace we are ocean front house i called the guy and he he wants to charge me 2000 us dollars to build a temporary 6 months roof so i said man i'll take 3 4 days but the room is leaking but you know what he told me but didn't you just do a bitcoin cash conference man i'll take bitcoin cash and he doesn't even speak english properly <laughs> Yeah, and it for those that don't know, Sunny just recently hosted a, a big merchant Bitcoin Cash meetup in Mumbai, India, where all sorts of business owners showed up, and they were just really, really uh, interested and excited to adopt it. And again, it just shows the biggest hurdle Bitcoin Cash has at this point is just people don't know about how easy it is to use and how useful it is. And so, Sunny, maybe you can talk about the adoption you, you helped yes. kick off and saw happening in India. It's very important. to do the adoption it's very easy to talk i can tell you bitcoin cash is the best and it's no charges and it's instant it doesn't help just transfer 0.01 bc i'm just 1 50 or 50 cents to them make them download the ad and scan it or send a whatsapp when they see that happening they are convinced and they will just start accepting it for their business it is about it is uh, you know what say the actions are better than words actually works with this adoption 1000 times so when i go to a merchant First, I tell them, okay, I'm going to show you what it is, how easy it is, how fast is it. But let's do this. Let's download your wallet. Let's let me show you how it works. And I think that actually convinces 80% of my job already onboarding a merchant. Very important to show them. So I know we all as a community. But but the best part about Bitcoin Cash is there's literally no fees. I call it no fees. So you don't have to transfer five dollars or ten dollars to a thousand people. Do ten cents. Do fifty cents. Do twenty-five cents. Whatever one can afford for five dollars. I have now coupons. That I printed out a lot of them, the gift ones, zero point zero one BCH. I stopped doing the values because then what happens if it goes up or down? If I do one dollar, they might get seventy five cents or one dollar twenty five, and then I have I have hundred questions to answer. It's best to do it zero point zero one BCH. Then it's actually the whatever the rate is, they get the actual BCH with the equal value at that time. Am I on, Sue? Yeah, yeah, you're still on, yeah, and yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's um, of course it depends which way the market's going. I agree with you, Sunny. Um, you have to be careful yeah. there uh, if the market's going the wrong way. I actually uh, was at a work uh, meeting um, on Friday night, and I was there with one of the sales guys and gave him uh, one euro to show him how easy and how quick Bitcoin Cash is, and he was very interested and said, "Yeah, he would like to go and uh, uh, buy 500 euros worth of that now." And that one euro that was transferred to him um, last I looked. Uh, had one euro and uh, four cents value. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's a four percent increase. It's, no, it's very easy, especially when you're uh, if you're not on a personal. If you're giving away, like for example, now I go to a bar or a restaurant anywhere in the world. The best part about Bitcoin Cash is, you know, if I go to a taxi driver, even now, now I came and I asked him, would you take Bitcoin Cash? He said, no, I prefer cash. So I asked him, would your cash actually work in Dubai or India or US? No, right? But this Bitcoin Cash will. It's like universal. It's basically global. Once you have it on your phone, you can use it anywhere. And uh, with with such prominent uh, big companies coming in uh, now, not to forget all the machines, Bitcoin machines in uh, in uh, yeah, I'm specifying Bitcoin ATM machines in USA now accept Bitcoin Cash too. Sooner or later, they will all realize how fast this network works, and they will all start accepting Bitcoin Cash. So when Dubai announces Binance or a restaurant in Dubai says we accept cryptocurrency. Don't forget, it's one more Bitcoin Cash merchant for us, one more place for us also to spend. So recently, I've been calling them every time I see a market in Dubai, UAE, Qatar. It says, "Hey, we welcome cryptocurrency." I call them. Do you take Bitcoin Cash? And they said, "Yes." I'm like, "Wow!" Somebody start should start listing them, man. You know, 
And for everyone out there as well, um, Sunny even adopted a hospital to accept Bitcoin Cash. Um, they just posted recently that they paid the employee of the month 10,000 rupees in Bitcoin Cash. Um, so quite yeah, a wide I, range of industries and businesses that are getting adopted here. Good news is I've actually convinced him they might do their next payroll part of them with Bitcoin Cash because a lot of them want to invest in crypto or want their wallets or want to do that because they can use it in so many places now. They actually already I told him and he might do the payroll. I just got the details on how to do it. And I'm going to be going to India very soon before I go to Ohio. I'll tease them and hopefully the news will be uh, India. They'll be the first one in India to do their payroll with Bitcoin Cash. And it's a, a, a full-fledged medical center, not just with one doctor, with 50 specialists where where you can get any kind of treatment done, any from from like A to Z. Uh, so it, it has like five stories. It's amazing. They have two locations. They have one in Bombay Prime and one in, uh, in, the, in, in the Gujarat side. So that's a good thing. We also have a couple of gyms being onboarded as you speak. So the adoption has started in India. It's just the big companies. When you go there, I have to be there. You, you need to meet the people. They, even though you know the owners, they want the CFO, CEO, the accountant, the chartered accountant, the auditors, everybody to come. Then you have to show them how it works. And once they see it all, they're convinced. That's great. Thank you so much for your update, Sunny. Does anyone in the audience have any questions for Sunny? Um, I see Ray Users has requested the mic. Um, if we could get him on. <clears throat> and while, he, while we're waiting, um, I actually uh, forgot to mention, uh, so for our previous speakers, um, John Neary, uh, for people that are listening to this, uh, not on Twitter, but as a podcast. Uh, please follow him uh, on uh, Twitter at Emergent Reasons. Uh, Rolando um, is available again on Twitter on um, the Twitter handle at MP Bryson. And uh, very important, follow uh, Sunny at BCH Sunny. So have we got Ray? One thing, one thing about about the about the payroll uh, I, I forgot to mention is is ask your employees. When people tell you and when you onboard a merchant or you have friends and they ask you a question, where do I get my BCH? Tell them the best ways to earn it. Your, your, your business accepts BCH. Tell your boss, give you your salary in BCH. Whatever they make, instead of holding it or, 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 or them, them don't know what to do with it, tell them I'll take it. Not because he's a BCH merchant means people are standing in line to pay with BCH. He might get $20, $200, $2,000. You don't know. But tell them whatever you get, I'll take it as my salary of BCH. That comes at no exchange rate, no commissions, and both are happy. Merchants, when when merchants have their salaries, and their employees wanting BCH as salaries, it's a good rotation. Then the same people go out in the beach bars, in the supermarket, spend it, and that's how the cycle starts. And that's what eventually is the goal. And I think by doing payroll, it'll be very very helpful for all of us, especially all of us listening. Coming month, take the step forward, do part payroll or full payroll, a minimum or a hundred dollars in BCH, post it all over. Let everybody know you're doing your payroll in BCH. That's step number one to success. Yes, if anybody ever you. complains about uh, CBDCs or central banks or banking system, you make sure to tell them, well, you've got a solution. Just uh, all you got to do is use it. Yeah, but CBDCs, uh, what is going to happen with CBDC? If I take my CBDC in St. Kitts, I cannot go to U.S. and spend it. It's easy. Central bank digital currency doesn't. I, if I have 10,000 rupees in my account, for example, India is going to come out with a CBDC. Uh, I'm, I was not even knowing about all this. I started to learn. It's always going to remain 10,000 rupees. And after five years, I'll be able to buy a beer maybe with 10,000 rupees. Uh, 
with with Bitcoin Cash, you have all the chances of of it growing up. It's also used to be able worldwide. CBDC is just digital currency from your country. Bitcoin Cash is global, right? Oh yeah, and and it's not going to be uh, pulled out from under you or haircutted or told that you can't uh, withdraw it or any of those things. Right? And exactly, thing, you you cannot send more than ten thousand dollars bullshit or where it came from. It it'll, it is everything the same. They control you the same way. Just instead of writing a letter, they they'll write you an email. That's it. Just so. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you speak to that. If uh, if there's anyone in here who's not really in the crypto space, who just happens to be falling in and is a bit unsure what uh, a, a central bank uh, digital currency would mean, um, it, it's programmable. Um, and, you know, you might live in a country where that particular government thinks um, that the way to solve obesity is to uh, track your calories and all the purchases you make. Um, and once you hit a certain level, um, it stops you from being able to spend your money on sweets or things with high fat content. This would all be possible, and I'm quite convinced it would definitely go in this direction. Um, so if anyone's just in here is not a crypto person but wants to learn about this, there is something coming, uh, whether you're left-wing, whether you're right-wing, uh, whether you're uh, libertarian, whatever, there is something coming in the very, very near future which uh, sends absolute shudders down my spine. It's uh, uh, Joseph Stalin's dream. And I'm pretty sure no one here would like to live in communist Russia. Um, and so that's why I, I, my, my personal belief is uh, that uh, decentralized cryptocurrencies absolutely has to succeed. And I think the clock's on. Um, and I think it's really important, you know, just, just mentioning that, about that. Bitcoin Cash has many advantages. It is a world currency. You can use it anywhere. So it does have advantages over a, a centralized bank digital coin. But there are so many more important things there that people aren't aware of right now. Um, so I see Ray uses uh, has, is there. He's requested. I think we're having problems getting him um, on the mic. Um, <clears throat> I think Twitter's there having some issues. Um, maybe we can try uh, try what, one last time. Hey, I, I have to say something about. I don't know if uh, MP Bryson is listening, but when the debate was happening in the Parliament of Saint Martin, and his opposition said, suddenly we see Bitcoin Cash stickers and merchants uh, in a few places. Oh, wait, sorry. In the entire country. <laughs> I have it on the recording. It was so good to hear. I just hear that part again and again and again. She confirms that the whole country of St. Martin is accepting Bitcoin Cash, you know. Nice to hear that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And this was mentioned and it's important to note. So, uh, Ray uh, uses. Um, yeah, go ahead, man. Hi, guys. And thank, thank you for initial for organizing this space. Um, I, sh I just wanted to share really a, like a personal story and a, another way I'm really using Bitcoin Cash in the ecosystem. So um, I think some of you may or may not know. Um, my wife is currently ru uh, ru Russian, and of course, with um, what happened in February, um, she actually sort of spends quite a lot of time with um, uh, her, with my my mother-in-law uh, in in Saint Petersburg, and of course, with um, the you know the, the recent sanctions, there was absolutely no way. Um, you know, to set to send a little bit of money over to my wife to basically support her and her mum. So, um, and the, the only only uh, best solution, you know, we tried all kinds of things. I think there was a service called Azima, which is quite popular in the the UK. Also, places like MoneyGram and Western Union. None of them. Everything was basically um, uh, was basically banned. So, um, and. Uh, 
that this is where Bitcoin Cash is the perfect solution. I can send it straight across to her in less than a second. It uh, goes into her wallet and then she can choose whether to keep it or to convert it back into um, to rubles. So it's another way of, you know, how um, a multi uh, a multinational family can um, uh, can basically use uh, cryptocurrency. And it's another tool for how um, how sort of it helps people get by. So it's just a little story I wanted to share with everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Ray uses Bitcoin Cash, um, and that's exactly it. And it's you know the the technology is there to, to design to help people. I mean, it's just a tool, um, but that tool is supposed to increase people's uh, well being and prosperity uh, and living standards. And it's wonderful to hear, um, you know, cases like that where it is helping people. I also heard about this with, um, um, I think it was, um, oh, it was in Afghanistan. I believe, or in Syria, I can't remember now, but people were fleeing the country and they were being um, basically fleeced of all their assets at the borders. And so they were converting a lot of it to, to crypto, uh, including Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash uh, beforehand to, to leave the country. And I thought this was, you know, obviously it was a horrible situation, people having to flee and leave their home, um, awful. But the fact that they could leave the home with some of their assets, some of their wealth in place, uh, filled my heart with joy of, of a great reminder of what crypto is about and what it can offer the world. Um, so thank you for that, Ray. Uh, uses Bitcoin Cash. It was very nice. Um, and thank you, Sunny. Um, it was lovely to hear from you. And yeah, so again, please follow Sunny at BCH uh, Sunny on Twitter. Um, for our next guest, Roger Vere, um, due to the legal complexity of the current situation with CoinFlex, I'd like to just make it very clear um, that questions will not be able to be asked directly to our guests. Um, and we'll be allowing time afterwards for people to make their feedback or to ask the question to the room. Uh, so, Roger, um, yes, it's lovely to see you so active in this conversation. Uh, please, uh, yeah, welcome. And thank you, Agreeing, for coming on. Yeah, thank you uh, so much for hosting <clears throat> multiple Bitcoin Cash uh, Hangouts. I appreciate that. And uh, my statement's probably going to be a bit uh, disappointing to the people that are on the call here, but... Uh, Due to the you know the lawyers that have already been involved for a while and the, and the legal complexities there, uh, all I can say at the moment is like I have no debt to CoinFlex. CoinFlex owes me money, uh, and the lawyers are involved, and there's a confidentiality agreement there that I'm not going to break in regards to that. Uh, so that's where things stand uh, at the moment. But uh, I wish I could say a lot more. But again, I'm going to honor the confidentiality agreement that's that's in there, and uh, I'm looking forward to the the full and complete and entire truth coming out as soon as possible but uh unfortunately the world we live in the lawyers kind of take over and i have a very competent legal team there and uh and that's where it's at so i'm going to continue to honor the confidentiality agreement there but uh, i owe nothing to coinflex coinflex owes me money and you can ask questions but the answers are going to kind of be uh the same uh, at that point that i can't really talk about it publicly so i'm, I'm sorry for that but don't let this uh you know distract you from the worldwide picture like bitcoin cash is amazing cash for the world that you don't have to use a custodian for because we've just seen the last couple of weeks when you have a custodian disasters can happen right so and lots of disasters have happened recently so don't use custodians don't uh, trust other people with your money not your keys not your coins and uh i hope that the the bridge can be salvaged uh from coinflex as well so that people that are bridged funds over to smart bch uh don't ha have any sort of problems with that so uh with that said, uh, you know, question away to whoever they want or discuss away or argue away. Uh, I, I certainly have my opinions on it. But uh, again, there's a confidentiality agreement, so I can't uh, really say too much more than the, those broad generalizations at the moment.
Thank you, Roger. So this is expanding on the tweet that uh, Roger wrote, which uh, he didn't name any names, uh, but uh, that's now very clear. So uh, the, according to Roger, the company Coinflex owes Roger money um, uh, and not the other way around. And um, I certainly hope that the situation uh, does find a solution uh, as soon as possible. I know this affects so many people. It's affected Smart BCH tremendously uh, and everyone that's been using um, this chain. And uh, yeah, the sooner that a solution can be found, the sooner that all these, in my opinion, innocent victims can receive their money back. Um, I don't want to comment on uh, the legalities. I don't know uh, the situation and the issues that Mark Lamb, I see Mark Lamb is a listener here, what he's having uh, with Coinflex. And, and and I'm sure he has his own legal issues um, and, and that needs to be sorted out. Um, I, I can just say for my personal um, feeling, I feel it, it is very sad, the situation. Um, I think a lot of people put a lot of trust there in the smart Bitcoin Cash chain. And it's a real shame that that was all locked up in this dispute. Um, but thank you, Roger. Um, it's lovely having you on the show. Uh, if there's anyone here that uh, has anything to say or a comment to that, then please feel free to grab the mic. And I'll add a little bit more there too, like separate, you know, completely aside from my dispute with CoinFlex there too. Like, I think the bridge is the most important thing to try and salvage there. Um, and there's some legal questions as to like, is that like a segregated account where each BCH represents one smart BCH and that those funds should go directly to those people? Or is it part of uh, you know, the bigger picture at CoinFlex? And so like, I think the first scenario is much better for everybody, but uh, you know, it's kind of out of my hand, but uh, defending the bridge uh, and turning it over, you know, I've, I've talked to the other uh, DeFi uh, platforms on smart BCH. They're more than willing to, to run the bridge because that's a very important part uh, of the ecosystem. So I'd, I'd love to see that be one of the, the top priorities there. I've actually had uh, four to five messages and calls in the last two days uh, trying to ask me some things. I just want to clarify something. Whatever situation happens, I am team Roger Ver. With that, I'll have to leave for my, from my meeting. But uh, yeah, people are actually trying to call people. I don't know why and try to say things. I don't know if they're listening or not. Uh, I'll clarify again. I'm only team Roger Ver. Not changing. And and Sonny, I, I appreciate the, the words of support there, but to be honest, like I think you should be on team truth and whatever the truth yeah, is, team, uh, team that's, truth. that's yeah, where team, you're team truth. You're, yeah. team, team, team and the truth is on my side to be clear. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you should if, if I were wrong or if I were lying, you shouldn't be on my side. So but, no uh, no no I mean I, I think that's the key here, but the other thing is like regardless of what happened here, Coinflex did mismanage the funds. Smart not be locked. That's what we got to We just got We just got to push for shot gates. We just got to continue, you know, pushing. We want decentralized. We want trustless solutions. That's what Bitcoin is built upon, being completely trustless. We don't have to trust anyone. So regardless of what happened, where Coinflex mismanaged funds, and we need to continue pushing as a community to get shot gate enabled and to get that finalized and out for everyone to use. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And this is a great example. We've mentioned this uh, in the show a few times, uh, not your keys, not your coins and the problems with centralized institutions and why crypto exists and, and no accusations against Mark or CoinFlex. You know, we need exchanges to do uh, our ramps uh, at the moment with uh, fiat um, or stable coins. Um, but of course, it comes with its risks. And we can see it's not just CoinFlex that's been uh, caught uh, with these uh, liquidity issues. 
actually it's i think there's more companies i know of that have these issues than don't right now in the crypto world so um there is an issue there a fundamental issue with using centralized institutions for, for crypto it defies the whole point so yes totally agree with you alex um shargades uh, and or a decentralized way of of moving across the uh, the main chain to the side chain is absolutely essential it's absolutely imperative and i really hope that the solution isn't just doing the same thing again but with a different centralized service um, and and i didn't have a chance to dive deep but somebody just posted on rbtc a few hours ago a working demonstration of a permissionless bridge between smart bch and uh and you know testnet bch there uh the testnets for both and so like that's a really, really exciting development. We need to test that more. But if we can have a permissionless bridge, uh, the ecosystem would just be that much stronger and uh, we won't have to de depend on any one single player. So uh, for the the, the the dev team in the room and, and not the marketing people, uh, please take a look at that and see what uh, what else is needed to, to make that workable for, for all just the normal users of BCH. Yep, I believe this was Matthew's uh work i'm not sure if i'm saying the uh the name right it's certainly spelt in that direction uh but um i'm really excited i'd love to love to hear from him uh on the bitcoin cash hangout if you're listening uh yeah maybe come on next time and and talk about that there's a couple uh of requests oh, one's now gone bch pizza um i believe that's kane uh has requested if we could uh if our co-hosts could get bch pizza um give him the mic I don't see him actually. Uh, no, I do. I he just I just I uh, got him. <clears throat> Great, thank you, Alex. Okay, yeah, BCHP, you're on. Okay. Um, I was just wondering. I don't know if this is going to be loud or not, but I believe Mark Lamb is still listening, and I just want him. I want to ask him one question. Does he consider smart BCH users to be customers of Coinflex? That's my question to him. Um, uh, to be honest, I, yeah, I, I don't know if, uh, Roger, I'll ask you if it's okay to have Mark to answer that question. What I can also say is I've been looking into the chat, um, and what Coinflex has been posting and what they've made very uh, clear, uh, written very clearly, uh, from what I understand is that all the assets that were put onto smart Bitcoin cash were using, uh, Coinflex's internal services. And so they were bound to Coinflex by the same terms and conditions as a regular user. And uh, so this would mean that um, uh, in their liquidity, then uh, uh, they have to then freeze all the assets, which is, uh, of course, for me, um, me personally, it's, it's an interesting question because the many of the users didn't didn't sign a contract, didn't read a contract. They, um, they have smart BCH has hundreds of users from the United States, and CoinFlex does not allow uh, customers from the United States on their platform. So. Oh wow, if, that's an interesting. If smart, point. if smart BCH, if smart BCH was just a sandbox within Coinflex, then they have breached uh, the laws in the United States. And maybe BCH Pizza can can maybe he's asked that question already of Mark. I, I don't know what his answer was, but maybe you can share with us what he already uh, answered. And I have zero problem at all if Mark wants to get up here and say whatever he wants to say. You know, more power well, to him. I remember very clearly when Smart BCH was just launched. I think this was like about August last year. It, it was launched, and within the first uh, the first months, there were multiple people. You know, that have 
asked various questions about how it was going to work and what CoinFlex role was going to be. And one of the questions that was specifically asked is like, okay, something happens to CoinFlex. If they go bankrupt, what happens to the locked PCH that they are the custodian for that belongs to, uh, you know, all the users of, of smart PCH? And it was then said that those funds were segregated. But now they've changed their mind on it. And now they're saying, no, no, no. That's all. We, uh, from a legal perspective, uh, that bridge is just like, that's deposits from CoinFlex customers. So yeah, they cannot. Wait, was that said in writing somewhere or on video that we can define? Because that would be really interesting. Yeah, that that's that should be in like the in the, like the CoinFlex in both the CoinFlex and uh, if anybody has kept logs of of the CoinFlex Telegram group and the Smart PCH community Telegram groups, Mark Lam has been active in both groups. That's those were very valid questions in the beginning. How how this this was was going to work, and we had this assurance that. That I mean, there was nothing legal or nothing signed, as far as I know, between smart PCH developers or anything. But there was this promise that, that those funds were were, were 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 segregated. If they were if they are not segregated, that means that they just allowed a bunch of a bunch of people from like countries that they're supposed to block onto their onto their exchange, which is a, a huge you know they could get sued for that in the United States. That's a really fascinating point, uh, BCHP, sir. Thank you very much. And if anyone's out there and has those logs, uh, I think it's, it, you know, we're looking here for the truth and we're looking for honesty and is to make sure that everyone's playing the fair game. And I think that uh, if that really was said in the past as an uh, official statement or communication uh, from the CEO of a company, then that would be very interesting to uh, to make sure that gets into the public domain. Uh, Mark, Lam, I see a listener. If you uh, wish to come onto the stage and um, refute that or, or make any comment, then feel free to make a request. Um, otherwise, I'll assume that you don't want to uh, refute that or don't feel that it would be wise to come on and grab the mic. And I only mildly hate to put this person on the spot, but I, I see there's another uh, lawyer that's been listening that's you know followed the Bangkok's bankruptcy and has been following this closely as well. If Daniel has a comment on this, uh, I would love to hear it. If, if he doesn't want to, that that's fine too. But uh, that might be interesting for people as well. And so, for the people that do want to speak, there's a button at the bottom there. You have to push and like request a request to be a speaker, and then the the moderators will be able to see that and approve you. But uh, it seems sorry. I think uh, it, would, well, I would, it would be good. I don't know if Mark heard your, your, your request, if, at least on the smart BCH side. I know both of you gentlemen are going through a legal situation. Um, but if he wants to answer the, the issue on smart BCH, there's definitely some clarity that might still be needed. Yeah, I, I think that's what the whole world is the most interested in, uh, is probably the smart BCH bridge and how that's going to be handled. I, I know that's uh, very interesting to me as well. Okay. Uh, sorry, did uh, CL? Did you want? Did you start speaking? Did you want to say something? Uh, I was just going to say, uh, you know, this is a, another wonderful example of uh, baptism by fire. Um, I don't think you can really say that uh, you're uh, really into uh, Bitcoin unless you've been burned uh, horribly. So, for for everyone who's uh, caught up in the situation, congratulations! Uh, you are you are now part of the the team, uh, and uh, don't worry, it'll all be okay. Uh, this is like my fifth or sixth time now, <laughs> so uh, don't worry, uh, we'll all get through this. Absolutely.
uh, couldn't agree more. Um, so yes, uh, as far as I can see, Mark Lamb still hasn't made a request uh, to to come onto the stage, and so I think it's best to to leave it at that and uh, assume that he would rather not speak at this time. Um, thank you, Roger, for your statement, and I'm sure okay. we all here really would love to. Uh, yeah, to know what the truth is and, and hope it, uh, there's a resolution soon. And as I said right at the beginning, that everyone gets the funds and the tokens, uh, the, the coins that belong to them gets them back as soon as possible so that we can put this behind us and keep moving forward on this wonderful dream of P2P um, cash. And uh, yeah, I, I do see that, that the attorney, Daniel, has, has put his hand up. I don't know if we can invite him up to say his. Yeah, and could we also have Doc Polkorn? He's put his hand up as well, and he's been an ambassador for Cornflex. He might have something interesting to share with us. Doc Polk, he should be in here uh, requesting to speak. Um, I'm not. Ciela, are you seeing this? Maybe those people can request a, a second time and it'll pop up for, for whoever the, the co hosts are here. No, I don't see anyone other than, than Alex trying to get back. Yeah, Alex, I've invited back as a co host. Um, Twitter is just it's a little bit slow. <clears throat> yeah, I don't see any requests at all. Okay. Um, sorry, you said um, his name is Daniel. If I can find him, I can just manually. He's on like the him. fourth or fifth row. Oh, no, I got him. So a... I got him. He's in. And for while we're trying to, to get him up here, just for, I, I know Daniel well, though he. Followed the, the the Mount Gox bankruptcy very very closely. Can you guys so, hear me? Uh, unfortunately for him, it's not his first rodeo. Yeah, we can hear you. Yes, Daniel. Okay, yeah. So this is definitely not my first rodeo, but it's my first rodeo in about eight years since Mount Gox. But uh, I was deeply involved in that case, and uh, once again, I, I have uh, money stuck at CoinFlex, and so I have some experience here. And as a lawyer who deals with uh, with this type of stuff, I've worked exclusively in. Um, in the crypto for, you know, since Mt. Gox days, um, I have some interesting, um, I guess, points to make. Uh, number one, uh, regarding the smart BCH and, you know, whether it can be clawed back or whether it should be given back, the point that was just made about CoinFlex not having, uh, not allowing U.S. users, but U.S. users having smart BCH is really interesting. It, it, uh, it makes it look all the more like CoinFlex accepted that money in trust for those users and that they weren't uh, just unsecured creditors of the exchange like any other depositor. And so CoinFlex, of course, is a, a Seychelles company and under, uh, you know, UK law or, or um, which Seychelles follows, right, the law of the Commonwealth, there's something called a quist close trust, which is where you have assets um, on behalf of depositors, right? And you hold them specially for them, right? And a special trust segregated from the other assets, you have to give those back. So uh, CoinFlex, I think, doesn't want to give it back. We don't know why. Maybe they've had legal advice saying not to give it back. But certainly, uh, there's an argument to be made. And um, it would be nice if uh, there could be some dialogue so that could get worked out fast. Because uh, if you look at Mt. Gox, people still haven't gotten their money back. Uh, and that's because there have been lawsuits and all these things that took place um, within the Mt. Gox bankruptcy over the years. And if people want to resolve this, uh, the best way 
is for the smart BCH people to dialogue directly with CoinFlex and figure out what can be done. Um, unfortunately, they, they don't want to. Sorry, go ahead. They don't want to have any more dialogue right now. They're just stalling. Correct. And, and basically, they they want other people to just give them the money, and then they'll they have at least a forty-eight million dollar hole, pro probably bigger. It looks like from when we went on chain. Uh, looking for all their wallets. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, we haven't finished that job, but we we weren't able to find more than about 10 million USDC on on, on the various addresses and stuff. They have the 103,000 uh, BCH that is still there that matches exactly with the accounting of SBCH. It has moved once in March. We still don't know why that moved once. And then they have about 118,000 BCH on their cold wallet. So they have some funds there. And so okay, what you know like. We can accept that Flex USD has no value anymore. That's that's all okay, but they have to give the the lock BCH back. And so my question to you is, if you if you have experience with the lock, what's the best way forward for the individual smart BCH users to put as much legal pressure on CoinFlex that they're that they're just like almost being forced to give it back, or they'll get into legal trouble? What can we as individuals do? How can we approach this? Do we have to put try to start a, uh, a class action suit as fast as possible or should we individual uh, individually uh, start lawsuits uh, should we start lawsuits against against coinflex or individuals like how how do we uh, best approach this so there's two as I said before the best thing is to have a dialogue beforehand because once lawyers get involved everything's going to get wasted and and you know what we might be there already uh, the problem, I think, we are uh, already there. Yeah, we right. were so, there. There's not, nothing so I is going to happen. Nobody's going to give them any more. I think the problem is that CoinFlex, if you, know, it's it's in my experience, it's worth taking one last shot, and that shot to me would be if CoinFlex provides us some transparency, because we really haven't had that from the start. Uh, creditor, or, you know, depositors were told for a week that there was a transaction backlog. There was no transaction backlog, and that entire week they accepted deposits. Why were people being allowed to deposit funds into ex an exchange when the they knew it didn't have their open. funds? So they're that's, that's they they've said that um, it's because there are derivative positions and people have to top up their margin. But frankly, if you don't, if you're not allowing withdrawals, you shouldn't be allowing deposits. And uh, they and and if you are going to halt withdrawals, uh, you should not tell people that it's just a transaction backlog. OK, that's uh, I, I, you know, that's just an intentional misrepresentation. If you know, we have to be asked the them from, from the beginning, we, if they could just tell us what their assets are versus their liabilities, because then at least the markets know at what at what price everything should shoot to shoot to shoot trade. Right now, there are a bunch of market makers that make various deals with people where they say, OK, you know, to one person, they say, OK, I'll buy your flex using 50 cents on the doors. And to the other person, they say, you know, yeah. we're pretty sure that CoinFlex is going to make it. You know what? We'll 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 uh, we'll, uh, we'll sell you Flex USD at uh, at fifty five cents on the door, and then they and, and it's okay that they make the money that way. But the market has absolutely no idea. And if CoinFlex could just be transparent, there are a lot of users that have already said, look, we are okay with the haircut. If we can get seventy or sixty cents back on the doors, at least we have something. But CoinFlex is refusing to go in that direction. Well, okay, so so this is an interesting thing when you when you deal with insolvent companies, uh, and CoinFlex right now, by definition, they can't uh, make payments when they're due, so they're insolvent. Uh, there reaches a point where the company says, "Okay, we need to hold on to what we have 
to try to fight for a restructuring, right? And uh, creditors, I, I, right now I'd say depositors are about to become creditors if there's a bankruptcy. And depositors um, may want, may prefer a liquidation, right? And it, but no one really knows because we don't know how much money is left. In the case of Mt. Gox, for example, there was uh, in February 2014, a crisis strategy document that leaked. And that document um, revealed that Mt. Gox had like zero assets left. So it was over. And then oh, a few weeks later, they found 202,000 Bitcoin in a wallet. And, um, you know, there, there, were, there were pretty much everyone wanted liquidation. And some people wanted to try to rehabilitate Mt. Gox and buy it out. Uh, but that ultimately failed. So for us, we, you know, to make a decision as to what's best, we need to know what's left. And if CoinFlex and, has and, some and, plan to rehabilitate the business, I understand uh, why put that out. Being, being transparent right now, because of course they're trying to find new investors that want to build them out. And then the first they have them sign an NDA. And then when they've signed an NDA, then they are probably sharing what the liabilities and assets are. So those people can make a decision. But like it would really if they want to regain any trust whatsoever to the community, like here's the thing, like this, this, this go, this go both ways. If there is no trust anymore with any of the users and even if they reopen, everybody's just going to withdraw all their money. and That will be the end anyways. So that that's something that's a dynamic that is at play with some person that has a lot of money that might decide if they want to like bail out. Uh, Coinflex or not. So if they can just be like, like at the same time that they that they are that they show their assets and liabilities to this person that might be interested in bailing them out, they should show it to the community as well. So everyone. So this brings us to another point, which is, which is what you asked a moment ago, what to do. And um, I can't tell anyone what to do, but I I, I can kind of uh, look at some of the obvious facts here, and and. And, and, and give a guess as to how it might play out for a, a given creditor. CoinFlex, you look at their terms of service, uh, you look at their website, they appear to be a company in the Seychelles, okay? And uh, I believe that's the company that has, uh, was operating the, the, um, the bridge and the company that has the deposits. And that's the company everyone's dealing with. So you have to put pressure on that company if you want your money back, which means you have to get a, a, an attorney in the Seychelles to do it for you. Because otherwise, uh, there's no legal pressure for them to, to ever end this, right? They, they can hold on to whatever money they have left and keep trying to figure out ways to bail themselves out. Or, and, and maybe they can do that long enough for the market to recover. Meanwhile, uh, you know, you've basically given them an interest-free loan to speculate on the market. Um, so... If the way uh, the legal process works in the Seychelles and a lot of Commonwealth countries, uh, people have to make a legal demand if you're owed money. And if you're not paid back, um, you can try to uh, push for compulsory liquidation, right, or compulsory bankruptcy. And then, uh, you know, a company goes into bankruptcy, all the lawsuits stop, everything stops, a trustee comes in, takes account of everything, and you take it from there. But just to get that in place, right, if to, to force someone to there takes months. Um, and I don't know that we're there, right? I, I mean, we'd, we'd like to have more information about what's happening. But um, that's, that's basically the only path towards forcing their hand if someone wanted to do it. Uh, but as I said before, the better path is to actually have a dialogue. Uh, and there's been some dialogue, but I don't think there's been enough transparency for people to um, certainly not in the beginning, 
and now uh, we really need to have more if, if we're going to in, in regards to that, too. So I, I, I saw that uh, Doug Polk, the former brand ambassador for CoinFlex, is trying to come in and be a speaker on here. So he needs an invite. Uh, I don't know who has the ability to do that, but uh, it would be real interesting to hear what he has to say in regards to all this. Sorry to interrupt, Daniel. Okay. Yeah, certainly. Please uh, go ahead, co-hosts, and invite uh, Doug uh, on. I would also very much uh, like to hear from him, as I understand Doug uh, did a video recently um, to say that he's no longer um, backing or sponsoring uh, as, or as an ambassador to CoinFlex. So, Doug, yeah, welcome to the stage. Lovely to have you here. Hey, thank you. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you guys for, first off, having me on. And uh, obviously, I think in, in the past, Roger, I know we've had sort of some differences on things. And, um, you know, thanks for, for having me on the talk here today. Uh, first off, I just have to start off with just saying quickly, obviously, like I was a brand ambassador for CoinFlex until recently, but everything I have to say here represents only myself. And these are my opinions. So this is not representing CoinFlex in any manner at all. I resigned four days ago from the brand. Um, I like, I like earlier what Roger said when, uh, he said that basically he's on team truth. And I think that's really what we should sort of all be on here is let's try and figure out what has happened and the best path forward to make this essentially, you know, uh, hopefully entirely right, but as right as possible. The most important aspect here is that the people that have balances on both the, the bridge and on CoinFlex and in the stable CoinFlex USD, basically the most important thing is that the right steps are taken to try and make those people whole. Um, I will say this as well. Uh, right now we have an argument between Roger and Mark about who owes money to who. Uh, I, I, I'm really not sure who to believe at this point. It really is just two people saying, like, kind of pointing at the other guy and saying that they're the one that's wrong. Uh, I will say regardless of that, you know, these were supposed to be collateralized positions at CoinFlex, and they were not. And in my opinion, that is a mistake on CoinFlex's side, sort of regardless of if Roger owes this debt or not. Um, anyway, I, I had a few questions here. I, I guess I would most specifically want to ask Roger a few questions. So for starters, I, I know you can't make a comment as to the position itself, and, and I understand that. Um, but there were a few other sort of supplementary points that I feel like might be good to just kind of like clear up. Uh, for starters, there was a post that in the past, you know, there were smooth transactions between you and CoinFlex in positions that you had there. So uh, my first question would be, did you have positions on the platform in the past that you did pay? Uh, so essentially, is that true or not? Um, my second question would be, are you an investor at CoinFlex? And then my third would be, what are your thoughts on this RVUSD token that they're essentially trying to use the debt they're claiming that you owe as a uh, way to fund, essentially raise money to be able to facilitate withdrawals once again? Uh, great questions, Doug. Uh, unfortunately, it's 3 a.m. and I, I think I forgot the first two by the time you got to the last two. Um, and I can't comment too directly on them other than to say like, Everything was going great and smooth at CoinFlex until it wasn't. So I, I don't think I can go into too much additional detail because, again, there's there's a confidentiality agreement there. But uh, you're, you're asking what I think are the right questions. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could say more and I'm eager for the entire and full truth to get out there to the world. Um, but uh, I, I guess that's where it's at at the moment. But great, great, uh, great questions and, and completely agree. Like the truth is more important than, you know, it's not who's right or wrong. It's, it's what's the truth at the end of the day here. 
Yeah, I guess so. I guess we can totally skip any of the your, your involvement stuff because clearly, you know, I think at this point you, you're not able to say, or your attorneys think that you can't say. But um, and, and I, actually, I'll add one more thing because I, I don't think it's a problem for me to say. And I because like I said, it's almost three a.m. here, but um, and so I've forgotten. Uh, yeah, I am an investor in CoinFlex and and have an equity stake in CoinFlex. Uh, so yes, is the answer to that question. Okay, gotcha. Do Do you have any thoughts on this token that they're trying to issue to try and raise money? I have a lot of thoughts on that, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can say those publicly at the moment, but uh, I'm sure there's some other people that will want to make comments about that, but unfortunately, I have to bite my lip on, on my thoughts on that one at the moment. So Please do, Roger. I don't want you to regret coming on here today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't regret, but uh, I'm sure some other people here will have some comments, and I'll just let them say what they think, but uh, sorry, sorry, I can't answer that one uh, directly, Doug. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I, obviously, like, I'm actually kind of in the same boat on some of the stuff, so I, I get it. Uh, Doug, can you maybe give us your thoughts on that on that token? Uh, I mean, I, I found it. I found it a little bit confusing. Um, so on the 27th, uh, Mark went on to Bloomberg and made a statement about sort of what was happening, and you know, very quickly there was a, a token being used to raise funds. Um, I, I, I do think it's a good idea to try and. You know, when, when the, so I guess taking a step back, if there is liabilities for the company um, that don't mass, match with the assets where they need to raise money, I, I do think raising money makes sense. So, like, I, I wouldn't, I think that that's a, a good move for Mark, in my opinion. But doing it through a token that is offering interest on a debt, particularly to someone that claims that they don't owe that debt. Um, that just seems like a, a very strange way to raise the money. And I think like most companies more traditionally in these spots would try and find some kind of either bridge loan or do some kind of like equity raise to sort of uh, create like the finances needed to resume withdrawals. So I, I personally think from like maybe like a PR perspective, I, I don't think that it was a great move. Um, I will say that in the past, we've seen some stuff like this, like Bitfinex did a raise something that was a little bit similar to try and sort of bail out the exchange and, and that actually raised a lot of money and ended up working out great for them. So it's not like a totally unprecedented move, but I just feel like it sort of sends a little bit of the wrong message and, and maybe just like an equity raise from within the company at some sort of new valuation would have been good. I, I know typically speaking, companies don't like to do that when the value will be lower. So, you know, I, I get that, but um, I do think that would kind of be the more standard process in a situation like this. Doug, I have a question for you. Um, it's pretty uh, standard practice for a business not to name their clients or out their clients, especially when there's a, a legal issue uh, with that. Do you think the name RVUSD was intentional? I, I would be I would be purely speculating. Uh, fr frankly, my, my main source for information on this story has been people tweeting. <laughs> so uh, I, I have no inside knowledge of the workings of you know what went on behind the scenes at CoinFlex and or uh, what the thought process was there. I, I learned about it on Bloomberg like everyone else. So I would be purely speculating as to why it was named that. It did get brought up on social media. Why is this RVUSD? And then people were asking, like, is it Roger? And, and, uh, I actually said I, I would assume not because that would just be too obvious. But then, but then they said, you know, someone told me maybe it's a double bluff, and uh, <laughs> I really don't know, man. I, I it sure I don't know seems like one, one heck of a coincidence. Uh, I mean, he went on Bloomberg, and 
was trying to get investors for this token, making it seem like it was just a, a reputable high net worth individual who owed some money and was having liquidity issues when in fact the debt had already been contested. Right. So I, I find, well, I find it, uh, you know, at the very best a coincidence and, um, not so different than telling uh, depositors the week before that there was a transaction backlog. Yeah, so I mean, you're, you're an attorney, right? And I'm not, so I'm not sure what is correct or not correct here. Uh, I, I will say that, like, let's, let's just say in theory, because it, it is still not clear to the public yet and or to me who actually owes who money, right? So let's just say in theory, Roger does owe CoinFlex $47 million, which is still a possibility. I don't know what's happening with either of these parties then I would feel an immense amount of pressure as CoinFlex to try and, you know, essentially make myself whole through this debt that's owed to me, which, I, I mean, that's, that's fair. I, I don't know what they're allowed to or not allowed to do at that point, right? And I, I, but I will say that if I, I was owed 47, you know, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Look, I don't think Mark is a bad guy. I like Mark. I know Mark. I think they're under incredible pressure. And uh, when you're under pressure like that, the blinders tend to come on and you start looking for any solution that'll work. But unfortunately, uh, you can't just go with any solution because there are very tricky ethical issues involved in running an exchange or dealing with other people's money. And so, uh, you know, we've seen this before, right, with other exchanges. The guy who ran Mt. Gox, Mark Karpolis, is not a bad guy, uh, but, but he was put in a, a, a very difficult situation that was high stress and couldn't tell other people and made bad decisions. Uh, so, so I, I think like what, what has to happen is people have to take a step back and look at what's going on, uh, you know, and the broader picture and make some big decisions because this, uh, you know, people need transparency at this point to decide what to do. Um, you know, especially a lot of depositors who have a lot of money at CoinFlex, and maybe the best thing is to take a poll and see what people want, uh, you know, want to want to have happen, and it would certainly be best to do that after um, after people have you know, more information about the exchange, what's the net asset position, that sort of thing. Yeah, and also my understanding here is that CoinFlex is a privately held company. And so privately held companies are, are typically, depends on the jurisdiction, but they're typically allowed to post their asset sheets and say, hey, we have these assets, we have these liabilities. And even for the the stablecoin balance, the Flex USD stablecoin balance, the last that I saw on the statistics page, it said that there was 137 million of this coin or something like that. Um, and it was advertised as fully collateralized. Well, even if Roger did, let's just say, again, theoretically default on a $47 million position, well, there st should still be substantial collateral behind it, right? Because that would still only be like a roughly a third or so of that balance. Um, not mm -hmm. to mention the smart BCH funds, not to mention potential user deposits. So I, I, I think for I think for a lot of people that are currently on the platform or have tokens on the platform, my, myself included in that, um, I think that we really we just kind of want to know what is going on, what is the potential loss, what what yes, yeah, some, some like real transparency on the, the, the numbers I think would go a long way. I, I do understand like not wanting to pay out some people and not other people because then you might have some legal risk as to like well you paid them out not me like I, I can see you now because like basically this person basically you're prioritizing payments so yeah. e even the smart even the smart bch bridge like so as someone that has is fairly familiar with DeFi and a lot of DeFi mechanics and all that kind of stuff and has used a good number of bridges it does feel very strange to me that it, it falls under the, under the jurisdiction of a company but at the same time 
this isn't the same bridge as people might use on like, let's just say like Avalanche or on Arbitrum or on any of these types of things. It's like, it's a centralized bridge, right? Like you're going through a centralized party. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert enough to say like, oh, those people should are not clients or are clients. I think there's been some interesting points kind of brought up on both sides of that. But regardless, there are still a lot of funds in theory that CoinFlex should have. And I think people would like to know like, okay, worst case scenario, can't raise the money. Like where, where are we at here and what are the net sort of assets minus liabilities? Yeah, I, I think you're right that there's uh, the, the smart BCH right now is kind of a, a gray area, but you know, and, and you're right in terms of uh, you can't favor certain creditors over other creditors. You know, that, that's referred to as a preference transfer. And uh, if, if a company does go into bankruptcy, the bankruptcy court will try to claw all that back. But in the case of smart BCH, and if you're really looking to do what's best for the ecosystem, there's absolutely no way any bankruptcy judge would be able to claw back all that smart BCH from all over the world. Um, it, it, it just, but, but then again, that's a question for the founders. And I, I really don't envy their, their position having to make these kind of decisions. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a, that, that's a tricky position to be in. But uh, the fact is that if, if they were released, uh, there is no way that the, the bankruptcy judge would be able to pursue, pursue all these Bitcoin people all over the world trying to get back uh, the smart BCH. Well, it's, it's very difficult to uh, these kinds of subjects because, f- frankly, I've tried to explain sort of like the, the smart BCH idea to, to people that don't do DeFi and don't understand like cryptocurrency that much or they have a very primitive understanding. And you just kind of lose them quite quickly. And then, and then now we're talking about getting the legal system involved to explain what a bridge is. I mean, good luck. Um, Lord knows <laughs> how that would end up playing out. But it's a very difficult situation to try and bring in people that aren't experts into and then make, make good decisions with, uh, I would say. The sad thing is if, if the bankruptcy court does get involved, uh, very likely all that BCH is just going to get sold. They get their hands, whatever they get their hands on, that their first impulse is going to be to sell it all. Uh, in Mt. Gox back in 2014, you know, the, the, the very first thing we did when, we, when creditors met with the trustee was we pleaded with him not to sell the Bitcoin because he would absolutely crash the price. It wouldn't be good. The timing wasn't good at that time, even for, you know, for uh, maximizing the return to, to creditors. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope it doesn't come before a bankruptcy court or anything like that. We don't have you know, judges in some far off island making decisions about uh, our assets. Um, so it would be really nice to have an opportunity to, to, you know, get some transparency and come together. But if it does come to that, um, it's likely going to be difficult because judges don't understand crypto and don't care. And they'll just do what they traditionally do in, in, a, in, in a bankruptcy liquidation that sell everything off. Yeah. And, and you can't really blame them for that. I mean, that's, just the way that the system is set up, uh, especially because they don't have an incentive to, to hold these markets or not. Um, so I, I guess just to kind of like sum, summarize here, I, I do think that we're at a point now where uh, just like the members of the, of, of the public or people that are CoinFlex users or just who just basically want to know what's going on, we, we just sort of need more information now. I feel like things are sort of like come to a bit of a halt and I, I'm definitely looking forward to getting more information from Mark or Roger about the debt that was owed. But then, 
you know, that really is sort of like a secondary part here of like what, what assets does CoinFlex have and what, what percentage of sort of the value is, is there and, and will they raise this money? So, um, yeah, it's a tough situation for, for everyone that's involved in, and hopefully CoinFlex can figure out and Mark can figure out how to, to get this done. Thank you so much, Doug, for uh, your words there. And thank you again, Roger, for coming on. And I'm very happy uh, with how this uh, spaces has gone. We're talking about a very contentious issue and emotions are running high. And I just want to thank everyone who's been on the mic, um, other than one uh, one person, but everyone else has been really constructive and um, behaved themselves very professionally. And, and that's what I like to see. This is supposed to be, um, you know, we're supposed to be productive here and um so thank you. Thank you for all the speakers for, for joining us. I see the time is running on. Uh, we're actually over two hours now, so uh, it's gone slightly over. But I think uh, the last half an hour has been very interesting. I hope everyone uh, agrees. It was good to let that overrun. Um, unless someone here has got an absolute burning topic. So if someone's already got the mic and would like to just uh, make a final point, uh, please put your hand up now. Otherwise, I'll be looking to bring this basis to an end to make sure it's not too long for our listeners, uh, people that are listening to this offline, um, to keep it interesting. So anyone who's got the mic would like to speak, do, put your hand up or do so now. Yeah, the well, only thing I want to say is that nothing of any of this will ever stop Bitcoin Cash from continuing on as being the best means of transacting and of bringing financial freedom to the world. So no matter what happens in this CoinFlex situation or otherwise, we still have main. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree more. And as we can see, there's so much stuff going on in the Caribbean, in Australia, in India, in so many other countries. We're very close, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, within the next 12 months to even having Bitcoin Cash as a legal tender in an internationally recognized country. This is huge. We've got protocol upgrades coming in um, to allow really unbelievable, almost unlimited uh, possibilities running on the chain. So, yes, Bitcoin Cash is going nowhere. Um, but I do hope, nevertheless, that this situation resolves because I do know a lot of people in the community have got uh, some amount of wealth locked up in the Bitcoin Cash um, chain. Uh, so, yes, I do hope that the solutions are found there. Um, so for everyone's uh, listening, the Bitcoin Cash Hangout is available for offline enjoyment again on rss.com forward slash podcasts forward slash fiendish crypto. Um, if you want to contribute towards the show, please find the donation link that we pinned on my Twitter. Um, and again, please follow everyone that's been on to, uh, tonight. Uh, you know, if you're interested in crypto, if you're in interested in everything that's happening, then uh, every speaker that's on tonight is uh, is definitely someone to add on to your follow list. Uh, Doug, I'll be making sure to add your mind. I'm, I don't think uh, you're on that right now uh, to see uh, <clears throat> what's going on in your world. Uh, if anyone wants to continue the conversation, you're more than welcome to create a BCH after party and then you can talk about it as long as you want. I am Fiendish Crypto. This was the Bitcoin Cash Hangout. I wish you all a very good night. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, CL. Then, thank you, Roger. Thank yeah, you, Doug. Yeah, peer-to-peer cash for the world. Thank you all so much. <laughs> and I wish you everyone a good morning, good afternoon, good night. <laughs>